As the new year unfolds, make it a year of comfort and indulgence with Minky Couture. Wrap yourself in the lap of luxury with our exquisite blankets. Picture the cozy moments, the warmth of our premium materials, and the stylish designs that define Minky Couture. Welcome the new year with the ultimate in comfort and sophistication. January is your month to embrace luxury. Visit MinkyCouture.com or your nearest store today. Elevate your comfort, elevate your style with Minky Couture. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. TNA is the best wrestling in the whole world. Oh, shit! It's Vince Russo! Oh, yeah, you can be king, king, king of these nuts. You know Our house, Jerry. Straight up, G. Somebody please explain to me how we are giving credibility to Glenn Gilbert. This is BS! This sucks! I've lost my objectivity and I don't give a damn! Welcome everybody to You've Got to Be Kidding Me, episode 21, covering February 2004 in TNA history. Every single episode we go through a month in TNA history and we are covering the strange and interesting and kind of like back to 2003-ish TNA month that is February 2004. I'm Garrett. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Liam. Liam, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited. This was a fun month. Yeah, it feels like it is kind of a throwback to the, the wilder months of early 2003. Hmm, I wonder what could be the, the precipice of that. Yeah, the, perhaps the return of a certain on-air character, and behind the scenes, the return of a certain off-air character. Some sort of personality shift. Hmm, but before we get into the show's proper too much, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. Uh, weekend where I mostly watched TNA. I went to see a rugby game. That's the only other non-watching TNA thing I did. What is your f- favorite rugby team? I don't have one. I guess it's Munster, who are my local rugby team. The Munsters? They have a team? The actual Munster. Wow. I, I think I'm contractually and familiarly required to say Munster, but... And that is the team I went to see. And they won 42-21, so clearly I'm a good luck charm. I was going to say, how much of that win do you equate on you being there? All of it. Every single bit of it. Yep. They're like, well, Garrett showed up to a Monster game for the first time in like a decade. We would have put on a show for him. And they did. They showed up. They put on a show. They 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 scored tries. They did good. They did the, the John Cena, it's time to go to work. Don't you just say they did the John Cena stand on the desk and announce the death of <laughs> No, did they? Which I'm pretty sure yesterday was the anniversary of that. So there you go. Oh, it was, <laughs> he had been compromised to a permanent end. And the the very famous Rock tweet announcing to the world like two hours before it was revealed that, that Osama bin Laden's been dead. It really shows you how much The Rock knows. It's wild. If you looked at that tweet, that tweet's gained a lot more traction in recent years because people are like, why the fuck did The Rock know Osama Bin Laden died before (laughs) everybody else? But if you look at the tweet before, you know, when it was just on Twitter, it did like, I don't know, like 2,000 likes and 300 retweets. It's like a tweet of the dude knowing Osama Bin Laden died did those kind of numbers back in 2011 or whatever. Yeah, we lived it. What an odd world Twitter was then. Mm. His kids don't know. 
Like, I posted the Steiner math anniversary yesterday, which is the easiest Twitter numbers I'll ever do every year. It's like, hey, Steiner math was X years ago today, so I can throw a podcast plug under it and we can be a very successful podcast. And that did better numbers than the Rocks Osama Bin Laden tweet. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, two equally culturally significant events. That's true. You can't deny it. Reported by two monoliths of entertainment. Yeah, me and The Rock. Yeah, you and Dwayne. Of course, that tweet did help us launch past the 1,000 followers mark we've been talking about in recent episodes. Uh, extremely so. Yeah, we're over 1,100 followers now. <laughs> we, we jumped by, like, I've never understood this. I, I, I appreciate it. But people are always like, why do you plug things under Twitter? Does it work? It's like, well, yes, we gained over 100 followers from a podcast plug underneath the Steiner Math tweet. Mm. I also think it, like, it has like a real snowball effect too. The more you grow, the quicker you pick it up as well. It's yeah. like simultaneous blowing up. But it's, it's fun. It's nice. Because you have an increasingly larger launching pad for content. Yeah. Content. It's me using the C yes. word. I'm very upset. We are. We are the content crew. Uh, we, are. we are. We love the content. That's why we make so fucking much of it. You once pitched the Patreon having a content-related name, and I literally died. I convulsed on the floor <laughs> at the very ta- thought of it. I forgot what it was. Uh, I was like, no, we are not using the word content in our Patreon name. Mm, it should be content of wrestling. Speaking of, our best month ever on Patreon last month, so a big thank you to everybody who, who subscribed and supported us over and on Patreon. a big fuck Patreon. you to everyone who doesn't. <laughs> at patreon.com slash kidding me or tnhad.com it's far and away our best month we gained a a bunch of patrons last month so thank you to everybody who did subscribe and hopefully you enjoyed all the stuff we did in the last month including the draft including the end of year awards and we just did randy savage's be a man album that's up on patreon now i think it was a good time you took it very seriously and i was like i'm gonna goof off yeah, I was like, I, I respect music too much as an institution. <laughs> more people who do it, the more weird stuff we can do as well, which is always fun. And speaking of, our, our and yeah, next episode of Rain Takers will be up tomorrow, so you can look forward to that as well. And start of the month, best time to subscribe over at patreon.com slash kidding me. You'll get your best bang for your buck, like a Young Bucks match. In- um, like a Young Bucks match from four years ago. Yeah, where they used to actually finish people with the more bang for your buck instead of They don't even hit it very often it. anymore. They bring it out like once a year. It is a sometimes food now, isn't it? Uh, like that's why it's, it gets such a big reaction every time. They busted it out in the FTR match. Mm. And it's always it's always nice to see it, especially since I was like, oh god, this is going to sound so pretentious. <laughs> Since I was such an OG Young Bucks fan. <laughs> oh, Mr. I was watching them in 2009 when they were in the Wagon Gate USA. Yeah, it is nice to see it as a little throwback. Do you remember what the first Young Bucks match you watched was? Yes. It was PWG, I think, two there. You know what? It's funny. I think it was actually a singles match because I think Matt was getting married. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it was a bowler with just Nick or just Matt in it. Wow. So I think that was 2008. You're actually not a Young Bucks fan. You're a Young Buck fan. Yes. I think it was 08. Because I, I remember the first match I watched was Young Bucks against, uh, what's the name of that title? Los Luchas? Oh, uh, yeah. Los Luchas. Yeah, it was on a championship wrestling from Hollywood show. I think it probably would have been 08-ish as well. I've seen a lot of those two as well. <laughs> these Young Bucks, they're a pretty good team. They look pretty good. Also, these Los Luchas, they also look like a pretty good team. Mm. They were a good team. I enjoyed them. 
uh, Peter Energy staple for a long time. Um, they pop up. I think they still do like the SoCal indies. Mm. They're, they're like a, a PP Ray where they'll just show up every now and again. You'd be like, oh, PP Ray, haven't haven't heard you all in a while. They should wrestle the Maximos and have a popping up every Ooh. so often dream match. It's a <laughs> that's another match for our eventual Fed once we get billions of uh, Patreons. Which remember that is the end goal. <laughs> get enough of us so that we can be the third company that everyone wants. The Mark TNA Nostalgia Company. It's going to be like somehow more of a nostalgia, like 2000s indie, 2000s pro wrestling thing than AEW is itself. Plus Shark Boy. I would put Shark Boy in that. Doing comedy. I went to a store called the Almost $2 store. Okay. There was a, a costume of a, a shark. Okay. And the costumes was dubbed Shark Boy. Did you sue? And I said, I feel like there's been enough suing over that name. I don't need to get involved in that legal minefield. Yeah, listen, if Sharkboy and Labragirl couldn't get away with it, that costume can't get away with it. <laughs> Man, it wasn't even like, it was just like, uh, like remember when the, the shark meme on the Super Bowl or whatever? It looked like one of mm-hmm. those ones. You should have just added Sharkboy and been like, you seen this, bro? I think, I don't think he, he's on Twitter very much. Give me a shell, yeah. Call him a shell out. Is it a, a Shark Boy Steve Austin costume? Does it come with a leather vest? I'm sure there was a leather vest in that store, but I I did not see it as a, an accoutrement to the the costume specifically. So if it's less than $2, you could have bought the Shark Boy costume and bought a leather vest, and that's 4 bucks for an entire Shark Boy costume. That's the dream. It's your Halloween costume sorted out all the way in May. Oh, Karen, did you know that Shark Boy will be back in the Impact Zone May 7th and 8th? Oh, yeah, because for they're in Kentucky, which I believe mm. is Bruce-based, I think. Mm. Coming up next weekend, Under Siege with Tomohiro Rishi against Josh Alexander for the Impact World title. It's a good match. Seems that all Sharkboy does is just quote-tweet Elon Musk. <laughs> oh, Sharky. To mock him or to be like, yeah, Elon? I think it's mostly mocking. Oh, okay. That's, that's not bad. He's trying to get himself cancelled before Elon Musk owns Twitter. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I can't I can't infer an angle. Though realistically, I don't think Elon Musk is going to end up owning Twitter. But still, we'll see how that turns out. Didn't he already? I don't really pay attention. They've agreed the deal. Whether or not that deal goes through in the end and he can actually finance that deal are two very different questions. Mm. I feel like there's a lot of people who are like, I'm going to leave if he gets it, but I don't care one way or the other. If it dies and there's a replacement, I'll jump on that <laughs> as quickly. But also, we just hit a thousand, so you know, feel like, can we not kill it right away? I know, I just hit like 6,000 after fucking 10 years on Twitter. Just wait until we all have to start at equal stages again. Yes, I finally reached a stage where like I can just tweet banal nonsense and it does numbers. I can get like 17,000 likes off a Steiner math tweet. Can you can you leave it alone, Elon? No, it's all right. We'll, we'll all go to uh, Tapir, tapir <laughs> and uh, that'll be the what? new app and... And that'll be called a what? Sorry, tapir. (laughs) I just I made a a word, tapir. Like like the animal. (laughs) What's a tapir? It's like the little cow dude. Okay. T a p i r. Google it right now. There is a a Twitter alternative app. It's called Mastodon, but oh, that's pretty close to what a tapir is. To be honest. T e p i r. Yep. T a. Oh yeah, it's like an anteater gimmick. Yeah, the cool little pig guy. That should be yeah. the new, like, face of social media. It kind of is. Yeah, a Mastodon is quite different from a Tapir, but still. Nah, it's basically the same thing. 
Our new social um, platform will be TikTok. Oh, uh, yeah, I could probably get TikTok started pretty easily. Just post a bunch of TNA clips. Yeah, they would actually put the clips in there. Easy. That's, that'll blow up immediately. Yeah. All right, so look forward to our uh, official podcast, TikTok, coming out soon. <laughs> or we'll do the podcast on TikTok. It'll be three minutes and shorter. If they, oh, people will probably love that shit. <laughs> and cut out this whole 12 minutes at the start. Yeah. Straight in. Actually, we did do a little bit of TNA talk at the start, so you can't get mad at us. <laughs> do people get mad? I don't know if people even want the TNA talk as much. I don't know what they <laughs> want. What do you want from us? Well, usually every time we we finish an episode, it's never like, a, oh, that was an insightful thing about TNA. It was always like, oh, Liam talking about nonsense while Garrett had to poo during the middle of the podcast. Yeah, it's like, it's always the bits. The pain bow. Or people calling us goofs. Well, we are goofs, to be fair. Yeah, I can't argue that one. But, you know, it's not nice to be said. Whenever someone's like, no, you're stupid. It's like, I know, but you don't have to say it. Yeah, it's fine. Like, I'm allowed to be stupid, man. I'm not being malicious with my stupidity. I'm just cracking jokes, mostly. <laughs> Only, like, I don't know, 70% of what I say is stuff I mean. <laughs> <laughs> the rest is just stuff that comes out of your mouth hole. Yeah, it's just uh, to make Garrett laugh, mostly. Uh, and then if I don't, I'll cut it. That's good. That's why maybe that's why I don't get so much so many complaints. <laughs> it's because you cut all the bad jokes. I actually cut very little actual content. I only cut. Yeah, for but you style. you tell me constantly that you do, and that's the difference. I know. I I, I annoy Liam being like I'm always editing them. I'm always cutting them down. Uh, sorry, I'm just re- I'm realizing that we, uh, there's been a bunch of uh, YouTube comments that I haven't seen yet. I'll check them after. <laughs> oh, you're gonna read them. You're gonna reply to them all. Do you want me to? I can I can pick one. I want to see if there's one that's mean to us. Find the, the most recent mean YouTube comment for us to read right here on the show. Mostly it's just, well, Liam's so great, Liam's this, Liam's that. Well, I guess the most recent one is one I've already seen, which is the one that was aimed at you, of course. Oh, yeah. Who posted this title, The Most Controversial Man in TV? <laughs> that person, Doc C... Doc... <laughs> 699, does not know the history of television in 2003, where, yes, Johnny Fairplay was the most controversial man on television that year. That is the director of Chaos, 699. Oh, chaos spelt with a K? Yeah. Or is he director of Chaos, Chaos, but it's spelt with a K and a C? Yeah. I mean, I'm take it. I'll take either at this point, you know? Yeah, don't you pretend like that title is incorrect, even though it's deliberately slightly inflammatory for the sake of YouTube. But... Johnny Fairplay was the most controversial man on TV. Yeah. Speaking of YouTube, subscribe to it. Yeah, we have 242 subscribers. Going pretty well. Uh, that's what people just... That's when I hear us talk about the numbers, huh? Yeah, look at all these numbers going up. Patreon, best month ever. Twitter Woo! gained 100 followers in the last day. Woo! YouTube, we have like 300 views a day now. Yeah, no one subscribes. But that's like... That's just how YouTube goes. Yeah, it's like it's a grind, baby. Mm. We're on that grind, you know? We're on that social media content grind. So, if you were here in the early days, if you were here before all of this was taken off, you're an OG. You're you're one of our best friends. Yeah, if you were here for Wednesday War Games. <laughs> when this show had like 20 followers on Spotify instead of 230. Yeah. It is funny, when you look at that followers number on Spotify, it's like a, a flat line for Wednesday War Games, and then it goes straight up for You've Got to Be Kidding Me. Hey, to be fair, we were happy with it regardless. <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like we were going out there like, 
please, we need to blow up to the highest level. We were just happy to talk about it. It was a cool time in wrestling. And if you're like, I can't get enough of these two, it's all in the podcast feed. You can go back. And you know what else is out there? You want to you hear about the Monday War Games, Garrett? You know where you can go to find that? Oh, where can you go, Liam? Oh, tnachad.com. Wow. And Garrett, if you wanted to hear us re- uh, do a show-by-show review of New Japan's uh, Peak, you know where you would go for that? Oh, where? Oh, tnachad.com. And if you wanted to hear some, by the num- not by the numbers, but that's, that's a negative. If you wanted to hear some great takes about Rink King. Some weeks it is a little by the numbers, to be fair. Yeah, well, you know it's Rink King. You know where you would go, Garrett? Where? You would go to tnachad.com. Wow. It feels cool to have a website. That makes it feel like, that makes it feel like way more official than it actually is. Yeah. A reminder, if you, because this show does have ads now because we're very successful. <laughs> this, this entire opening segment is just putting ourselves over. <laughs> uh, you know, it was, it's just nice that it happened at, in, at some level, you know? <laughs> yeah, for two people who probably have like overly deep self-loathing issues, we, we have no problem putting ourselves over. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It, it, deep like self-hatred, but like one thing that's going well. So, you know, let's really just attach ourselves to it. Then once that crashes, who knows where it'll go. But if you would like an ad-free experience, you can go subscribe to Patreon at the $1 tier. Look at the show notes. There'll be a version of the show that is ad-free attached there. So if anybody that gives us money, I think should get an ad-free show. And they do. So show notes, the ad-free version is attached there. If you would like not to hear any ads during the show. Yeah. So with that said, let's talk about the month that was February 2004 in TNA Wrestling, Liam. Yeah, sure. Let's go. It's a weird, wacky month and uh, lots of fun. Some of the best of TNA structure-wise and some of the worst... Maybe not the worst, but highs, lows, and what we've seen before. Let's go! Yeah, I don't think there's anything in this month that I'm like, this is really bad. No, I really, I like this month. I thought it was a lot of fun. Like, the, I, I really don't think there's literally anything that I'm like, oh god, I have to sit through this. Like, even like Goldilocks being unhinged is tremendously entertaining. Yeah, I was going to say, why are you pointing out one of the best things of the month there? Like, it's not good, but it's good. I mean, she's the Joker. <laughs> it's fine. I never include it because it feels like petty bullshit. But literally every month since the start of TNA, there's been like, a, everybody hates Goldilocks. She's terrible. Why is she even employed? <laughs> like PW Torch. How about shut up? You're like, leave, leave Goldie alone. She's annoying for a purpose now. Yeah, she's a heel. She's a bad guy. She's getting that heat, baby. Yeah. Dick to go would be very proud. Goldie should join the Bullet Club. Oh, the the what's the spin? House of Torture. Oh, she'd be a great House of Torture member. Her and Show and Evil. <laughs> yes, that's a that's a great never six man champions <laughs> team right there. Goldie winning the never belts. Yeah, that'd rule. She could beat Goto for the actual singles belt. Yeah, he doesn't have it, but sure. Who has it now? <laughs> Goto was about four or five champions ago, <laughs> so. Like, it went to Jay White, and then Jay White lost it to Ishii, and then Ishii lost it to Evil, and then Evil lost it to Tamatonga. Good for Tama. I had no idea Tama had that belt, but good for Tama. Well, he won it, like, two days ago. Oh, okay. And now uh, it is Tama versus Carl Anderson for the belt at Dominion. That's a callback to 2012, if I've ever heard one. Yeah, and if you want a callback to 2012, you can go to <laughs> tnachad.com. Right in there with the plug. So I'll start with the news notes for the month. The Bound for Glory pay-per-view scheduled for April 4th has once again been postponed. Multiple sources report that the company decided to push the show back because they simply ran out of time to adequately promote the show. 
Another problem is said to be that the company has yet to sign some of the people they projected as main event players to actual contracts, which made promoting the show virtually impossible. So a reminder, last month they were looking to get Randy Savage. They were also, we'll talk about it later this show when we're talking about the actual stuff in the shows, they were trying to get China to do a match with Johnny Fairplay. I mean, I'm into that. Or Trinity. And neither of those worked out. Last week, the in-demand website began listing the April 4th TNA Bound for Glory pay-per-view on its schedule, including Randy Savage and China mentioned in the description, by the way. So the date was more than just a tentative date for the show. It was an all-out plan that just didn't come together as they'd hoped. It was still posted on the website as of February 17th on the in-demand website, not the TNA website. Meanwhile, the Kentucky military base that was said to be the leading candidate to house the TNA pay-per-view is not the only site being considered. In fact, a Wrestling Observer reported that that military base actually turned down the show, which might have been a big reason it was cancelled. Yeah, not having a venue seems like a bit of a hurdle. Yeah, generally, you can't invite people to a place to watch something if you don't have a place to watch something. Okay, well, we'll have to note that down. Mm, this is one of those promotional tips they teach you in promotional school. They're like, mm. have a venue for people to go to. Yeah, day one of business school is have a place. Except if you're an online business, then you don't even need a place. Oh, you could host a, you could host it in the metaverse. Oh, God. <laughs> We were talking about this before we went on air about how yeah, Garrett WWE just going keeps to be... talking about the metaverse. I don't understand it. He just all he wants to talk about is the metaverse. But we were talking about how WWE are eventually going to become a metaverse company that present like Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant in the metaverse, and I'm just like, oh, there's nothing I would like less in the world. God, it's gonna be so sick. Yeah, we're a couple of tech bros on this podcast. We're here to we're here to talk about the metaverse and NFTs. No. <laughs> No. It's all part of that Sigma grind set I've been referring to. Ah, yes. There are some within TNA who feel that there would be so much red tape involved with holding a show at the military base that it wouldn't be worth the trouble, which is probably code for we couldn't get the military base and we're trying to come up with an excuse for why we're not doing it. Although delaying the event again may give the company enough time to work through those issues, there is some consideration being given to a small 5,000 seat venue in the southeastern part of the country. 5,000 seaters are my favourite. I thought you hate small buildings. You always give out when AEW runs a small building. I don't... Okay, I don't consider 5,000. Like, it really depends on the optics, I suppose. If it looks small, I don't like it. But I like that amount of people. Because I think it's an... It's what you can... Uh, it's an achievable reach for, like, a, a weekly product. But the problem is, apparently there's not a lot of those kind of sized venues around. America's a very strange country in which they have, like, 50,000-seater buildings in every small city. Hmm. But they don't have many, like, mid-range venues because they have a bunch of college football teams and college sports teams that have these giant sports complexes. That's why they're always, like, all these AEW shows are all on um, campuses. They're all going to colleges because, again, all of their colleges have gigantic stadiums. Yeah, that's, that's very impressive. My my college has a, a reasonable little, uh, like, basketball thing. My, mine had, a, like, the, the Maradike Arena, which isn't that big i don't know how many people can hold can actually go to a a game there yeah mine's just, i don't know it's just like a regular sort of one that has a like two courts on it that's about it yeah it's like just a regular sporting complex it's like a gym an all-weather pitch and some some like, yeah like a big court. gym there's like a little cafe thing attached to it that's about it i think most normal colleges have that instead of like fifty thousand seater stadiums it feels like if i lived on like that campus all you'd want to do is like fuck around and in that building after hours, right? <laughs> you just go to the giant stadium and run up the steps. 
and steal a chair. Hang out under the bleachers? Oh, maybe that's why all of these American college-based television shows are always like, let's go to the bleachers. Because it's just inherently inviting. So you can hang out there? Yeah. My biggest note is, like, I really feel like this uh, constant delaying of Bound for Glory kind of isn't helping the product, because I think a lot of stories feel like they keep uh, having to be ran on or ran on or ran on. Even if the, the plan isn't to, like, pay them off at this specifically, it just feels like there's no end point for anything. Mm. And then things just tend to peter out instead of having a hard end. So I think not having this kind of big pay-per-view blow-off at any point is kind of harming the product a little bit. And it's interesting, by the time they get to doing their first pay-per-view, it doesn't even end up being Bound for Glory. (laughs) I like that they always wanted to do Bound for Glory, though. Mm. People always ask, why is Bound for Glory the biggest show of the year? Here's why. (laughs) Because they wanted to do it for like three years before they even could do anything. Yeah, it took them like... So they started planning Bound for Glory in October 2003, and they did the first one in October 2005. So yeah, literally two years building to the first Bound for Glory. Ironically, though, not even the the one that they first thought of, because they had Genesis first. Yeah, that was for the special that ended up being one of the early pay-per-views as well. DNA has good pay-per-view names. Victory Road and Turning Point and Genesis and Against All Odds and Unbreakable. Final Resolution. No Surrender. Yeah, it's, it's very like that... 2010s, late 2000s, but it, it suits it. Yeah, sacrifice. Sacrifice. Sacrifice, like, sounds like something that uh, WWE should have got to first. Mm. Especially uh, during the My Sacrifice era. It's, it's right there. Mm. That feels like between Backlash and No Mercy, you'd have Sacrifice. Mm. On the topic, you were mentioning things that weren't blown off and suddenly disappeared. Don Callis, who has been a featured heel on NWATNA show, thank you for fixing that typo, by the way. Mm-hmm. Copy editing PW Torch. It said features first. I noticed that when I put it in the notes last night. I gave a quick read through the notes before I went to bed. I was like, oh, I should fix that. And then he fixed it. Mm-hmm. So who has been a feature heel on NWATNA shows in recent months is leaving the company. Leaving the business. Yeah, he's getting out. He's done. Callis informed the company that he has accepted a job working. <clears throat> That's terribly phrased. He's accepted a job working for blank <laughs> that will make it impossible for him to appear on Wednesday night shows. We should do more copy editing of PW Torch. I'm going to write a letter to Wade Keller. It's like, hey, Wade, this newsletter thing from, from 2004 wasn't entirely good. <laughs> yeah, he didn't leave the company's name in. So, yes, he's gotten a job outside wrestling, so that will involve him working weekdays. He could not pass up the job in favor of TNA, so he's gotten out of the business. Because, as we mentioned on a recent episode, he did graduate with his MBA recently, and now he's gotten his job offer, and he's done with wrestling. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sad to see him go, mm. but uh, at least we got the payoff. Well, yeah, because we, we do get the build this month where they announced the, the new director of authority, which is Vince Russo, which we'll get into in the shows themselves. Wow, way to spoil it at the start, Garrett. I know. This is just not burying the lead at all. But the idea that they were basically going to run it back, they were going to do Russo and Callis as the dueling GMs instead of Russo and Watts as the dueling GMs. But Callis left, so they just dropped it, and it's just Russo. Hey, listen, I'll take I'll take a Russo in charge. Would you? <laughs> I mean, as an on-screen character. Callis offered to put over Eric Watts on the way out, but Jarrett nixed it because they had already booked the idea of Vince Russo shocking everyone as the babyface director of authority, and Callis winning would ruin that plan storyline. And, uh... What's winning, I guess, is what that meant to be he said there. Yeah, that's us copy editing Dave. Jeez, we're fixing all of the dirt sheets. This, this yeah, it was not a, a priority in 2004. To be accurate. 
Yeah. Got to get it out. Hey, man, that's that 2022 uh, mindset there. I've just got to get the content out through what it actually says. Mm. So you will notice that Don Callis beat Eric Watts on the last show of January. He was then there on the first show of January when he was celebrating with Jeff Jarrett, and he was just gone. Ironically, like, he had the same sort of panning out as Eric Watts, who was also just, like, there for the first and then gone. At least they do explain it. There is a line from, I think, Mike Denaire, Don West on commentary in the last show of the month where they say that Don Callis has now been reduced to the role he was hired for, where he is a management consultant and nothing else, and he will not be, he's been banned from the asylum. So they do kind of lightly write him out. I do appreciate that Callis winning and gaining full control actually just meant that Jarrett gets full control. Yeah. And they, they, there wasn't even any, like, pretenses about that. Callis wasn't even like, what about me? It's like, no, no, Jeff's in charge. But though I kind of appreciate just having a, a Jeff who can freely be like, this is my company. Mm. Like, I, I don't like this pretending that we don't know who's in charge thing. There is a line in a promo where Chris Harris is like, you don't own TNA. It's like, no, no Chris, he does. He does own TNA. Quite literally, for now. At least part of it still. He's not majority shareholder anymore, but he does own a percentage of the company. Mm. The word in most circles is that there are no longer any discussions between TNA and WGN. TNA is said to be looking at alternative television deals that they have deemed as more cost effective. Fair enough. It's funny that like this is an era when they everyone's paying to get on TV and now uh, TV's paying wrestling to <laughs> please stay on TV. Well, we, we are having some hand-wringing again about the, the TNT or Time Warner and Discovery merger that people are going to start being dumped off TV all of a sudden, but it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. let's dump off the, the program that's consistently the most viewed thing on its night besides sports. Wild Thunder was the most watched show on TBS when it was cancelled, so... TBS! They're going to come for Dynamite now. They're going to do it again! Where do you want to see it if they do get kicked off the TNT TBS? Uh, ignoring, you know, there's some speculation that they actually have a financial interest in the company itself. But if they were to go to another platform, they'd be fine. <laughs> well, what a, what a, um, a wrench in the gears of everyone's prediction if Disney got to AEW first. <laughs> Disney bought out Tony Khan. Mm. He would never do that. <laughs> Unless he got a giant paycheck from it and then started another company immediately after with it and got everyone to jump. <laughs> You see, what he'd do is he'd sell AEW, but he still owns Ring of Honor personally, so he'd just keep Ring of Honor going. He's already setting it up for it. Yeah, he's he's thinking for the future. Wow, I, I, I now like the idea that Ring of Honor is actually his backup plan if he ever gets a deal too good on AEW. He can sell AEW, it's like, yeah, have it, but I'll keep my Ring of Honor thing over here. And he gets the Ring of Honor stock up to a similar level, so it's not even that much of a, of a trade-off. Mm. My man, nah, he's working. I gotta, gotta respect that. That's my new favorite theory now. I'm gonna choose to believe that as fact. So if you remember, TNA was trying to pay to get on WGN. There was said to be a, a, a done deal to the extent that they started promoting it on the December and January shows. That fizzled out. And now the deal is dead. Basically, it seems it cost too much money and they didn't want to do it. Yeah, because they didn't they have to pay like a certain amount per episode or something too? It was like 50k per hour, and then they were looking at potentially 25k for a half hour slot, and then they moved on from it altogether. One day they will get on television. Just you wait. One day relatively soon. For the eight shows a month. Yeah, Liam's very much looking forward to the period between June and September, when there is an impact every week and a weekly pay-per-view every week. I, I just hope everyone's prepared for me to somehow have less notes on things. <laughs> There is another note about TV because they even this month there is the beginning of rumors that they're going to land on Fox Sports Net. So that's the, that starts this month. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, where they end. 
for a brief period. The D'Lo Brown bobblehead dolls have been the butt of numerous jokes around the office because they have sold so poorly. I mean, okay, I feel like, first of all, we need to invest in D'Lo Brown bobbleheads. Yeah, I would have bought a D'Lo Brown bobblehead. I still would. He's D'Lo Brown, he does the head thing. Who doesn't want a D'Lo Brown bobblehead? What's wrong with you people in 2003? They're too cool for it, I guess. Yeah, they're like, no, I don't want my D'Lo bobblehead, I'm not the real deal. Looking at the real deal now. Were you one of the people that thought he said real dude? No. For the longest time in my life, I thought the lyric of that song was, dude, you got the real dude now. Dude, you got the real dude now? Yeah. No. (laughs) Don't you pretend like that's a lyric too nonsensical for a wrestling theme song. We just listened to the entirety of Macho Man's album. Yeah, and somehow it was more concise than dude looking at the real dude now. Because he's the real dude now. Dude. Are you saying that D'Lo Brown's not the real dude? I guess. I guess I'll accept it. He is the the real dude now, dude. Yeah, he's the real deal dude now, dude. Okay, we're done with this. (laughs) Move on to Brett. (laughs) Brett Hart had a chance to see AJ Styles wrestle in person for the first time and wrote about it in his Calgary Sun column last weekend. A quote from Brett, I was impressed by a young TNA wrestler named AJ Styles. It's been a long time since I've seen wrestling this good, in my opinion. AJ Styles might be the very best young wrestler in the business today. Come out of retirement and face him at Bound for Glory, Brett. In 2004? Yes. Or 2022. Yes. <laughs> I'll take either. I like Brett just being like, hey, I like this young wrestler. Yeah. He does like some RRH stuff in a bit, right? Is it soon? I know he does some stuff in like 2009-ish, doesn't he? Yeah, that's soon. <laughs> Time so fleeting. I'm not sure if he does anything in the early days. I know. I, that's what I meant, I think. So he, he'll get to see more. Well, and by then, AJ's not in Ring of Honor anymore, but sure. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Brett's confuddled me. <laughs> in fact, Brett went head-to-head with AJ Styles once uh, uh, during the Monday Night Wars, so... Should have shown up on the, the Hogan show instead. Being like, hey, this AJ kid that I wrote about in my Calgary Sun column in, like seven years ago, can I wrestle him? <laughs> that would be great. Instead of wrestling Vince that year. To be fair... AJ against Brett would have been a better match in 2010 than Brett and Vince was. I don't think it's a hot take to say that in 2010 AJ Styles is better than Vince McMahon. That Vince match is calamitous. <sighs> but would it have had had all of the Hart family beating up AJ? Yeah, sure, why not? Alright, I'm in. There was no formal meeting held, but the wrestlers were indirectly told before the live February 25th pay-per-view to refrain from swearing and making any sexual references during the show. Booker, Dutch Mantel, made this point clear to several wrestlers as they produced their promos. Meanwhile, the TNA dancing girls were given the night off, which was incorporated into the story. We'll talk about that later. And Lollipop, former dancer who currently appears as Johnny Fairplay's valet, was told she couldn't have a lollipop in her mouth because it was too sexually suggestive. I threw my PlayStation through my window. Lollipop has had her gimmick taken away from her. She lost her gimmick, but she still has her high spot. And she still has her name, Lollipop, even though she does not have her iconic signature lollipop. It's a bullshit. How, how dare you take away Lollipop's iconic lollipop? She's ruining Lollipop's entire brand. You're tanking her career. So, was this just a thing that they were doing to sell the gimmick? Or was this because they actually had a reason for it, Garrett? The wrestlers were under the impression that executives from a potential network, Fox Sports is heavily rumoured as the possible home for TNA, 
were watching the show and had made it clear to Panda that they were only interested in a clean product. So they were, even like, this isn't the first time they've rolled back on the raunchiness. They did this last summer as well, where they actively rolled back on some of the more, like, like out there elements of the show. Like, roll back on the cursing, roll back on the swearing, roll back on all the, the, the sexualized angles and the homophobia and all the racism that was all over the show for a while. Censorship running crazy in 2004. They've scaled all that back a ton already, so there's there's really not much of it left to cut out other than like a few swears and the dancing ladies, and that's all they've cut out to make it a regularly normal wrestling product. That, as mentioned, they did incorporate that into the story by Russo's cleaning up TNA. Finally, we're going to get our TNA Fox Sports-based product. Now they're going to rename the company so it's no longer a play on tits and ass. Ah... <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's such a problem, right? Because I think I've mentioned this early on in the podcast, but to me, TNA is TNA. It is total nonstop action. Like, it's not, I don't fucking tits and ass. Come on, man. I don't know that shit. So, like, I'm like, man, TNA's the best. It should always be TNA. But it's like, I get it. I get it. You even saw it in, like, the... They showed, like, a clip from a Fair Play interview where he was wearing the neck brace and they were talking about wrestling. And he's like, yeah, I work for TNA Wrestling. And he was so quick to jump in there and be like, total non-stop action. So he was not jumped on by the CBS mooring hosts being like, wait a minute, you work for what? Yeah. <sighs> to me, it's TNA, right? So I, I, I like it more. But I, I get why we have to let it die. Yeah, Tess and Albert. You just can't have the brand confusion. Yeah, Tessa and Albert. That, that blew my mind when I first saw that. I was like, wow. It's like the wrestling company. <laughs> what? Yeah. You were like Tessa and Albert? It's like those are the nearly the same words as total nonstop action. Because they were called TNA for a bit. Yeah, well, T and A, not N, but yeah. They were an N. They had like the, it was comma, N, comma. Mm. I don't know what it is. But yeah, and I was like, wow, look, it's like. NWA TNA. Staunch fan from the beginning, obviously. Yes, of course. In related news, Chris Harris either wasn't told or forgot about the restrictions as he ended up saying the word ass twice during his live promo. Come on. Yeah, let my man get away with a couple asses. Jerry Jarrett left his gorilla position and came down very hard on Harris for swearing. Ass? Really? Really? I mean, literally last month we were going Cal ass. So can we not give my man a pass? But now these are the new restrictions, Liam. You can't say... Eric Watts was ahead of his time refusing to say ass and pointing at the crowd. Yeah. Do you, people, anyone that considers ass a swear word should go away. It's like people who consider hell or damn a, uh, a swear. These, these are just normal words. Like people who consider fuck. <laughs> They're just going to start throwing out all of the swear words you can muster now. It's like, what are you talking about? You just start shouting slurs. <laughs> Listen, BT's not on the show. <laughs> yeah, that was like three weeks ago. <laughs> and now we're going to yell at, at Chris Harris for saying ass twice. And they showed a replay of the BG slurs the next week. So let's not pretend this company is all high and mighty all of a sudden. Like, by the way, Vince Russo's theme song on the show <laughs> that it happened on. Also, the the gay slurs in the crowd on the signs on the same show? Uh, the Russo theme song is the funniest, because the Russo theme song literally starts with, like, somebody shouting, fuck you. <laughs> and it was on the same show as he said, ass! Oh, poor Chris Harris. <laughs> Chris Harris, ass. Oh, uh, double standards here in the NWATNA. 
I hope Chris went up to him and said, What the fuck? <laughs> He's just wrestled. He was out there too. It was after the Jared Harris match. Do you think he heard that and he was like, You motherfucker. <laughs> he ran to Jerry Jarrett being like, You fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Speaking of people running into each other and shouting at each other. The best story of the month. Teddy Hart and CM Punk got into a fight with one another prior to the February 25th pay-per-view. This is a classic, by the way. This is a, a, a classic, you know, first getting into indie wrestling and you, you hear people talk about the stories. This is one of the first ones you hear. <laughs> mm. The two men ran into one another at the White Trash Cafe. Couldn't be better named for the situation, mm-hmm. frankly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We'll actually go to Dave's recounting of the story because it's a lot more detailed than the PW Torch version is. Dave has like blow by blow of everything that happened. He probably got it from Punk. Well, there's like two versions of this. There's a version that came out pretty quickly that was like Punk kind of won the fight or it was a draw. And then there was every other version of the story that came out (laughs) after that, which is Punk got his ass kicked by Teddy Hart. Well, let's find out. So Punk and uh, Teddy Hart have had issues going back a long while to Ring of Honor and going back to TNA. Punk wrote a very long live journal blog about why he hates Teddy Hart. (laughs) If you'd like to read the whole thing, it's in the show notes. You can also just go to Punk's live journal and read it. It's there too. That's still online, remarkably. It's amazing to me that that's still online. Well, you can also go find, I think, some of Joe's live journal is up as well. So, like, the the bones of why he hates him is that he thinks he doesn't respect the business, he doesn't respect wrestlers, he's unsafe, and he has a big mouth. He keeps on talking and making shit up. One of the reasons he hates him is, like, he said he did a 30-foot moonsault off a cage, and he's like, that wasn't 30 feet? It's like, come on, punk, you're a wrestler. Let's, let's not give out about these things. Yeah. He hates Teddy Hart. It's, it's literally... Three pages of the show notes is that live journal blog about how he hates Teddy Hart. <laughs> Actually, my favorite part of that is that he's like, Oh, you said you're drug free? Well, you were asking where you can get drugs at TNA. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one because that was also in one of the shoot interviews he did, I think. He brought that story up as well. Hate each other. Not good friends at all here to see him punk and Teddy Hart. So. Those close to Punk say he hates Hart with a passion and probably does even more now. Hart was wearing headphones, this is at the White Trash Cafe of course, which many think he doesn't even have on. He just puts the headphones in for the sake of it. I do that sometimes to be fair, because I don't want people to talk to me. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't want Punk to talk to him. He was smirking before Punk bumped him and Punk made a comment and Hart either couldn't hear it because of his headphones or pretended not to hear it. When Punk repeated it, they ended up outside the cafe. The two were talking with neither shouting at each other. Eyewitnesses did see Hart take off his headphones and then Punk slapped him very hard. Punk probably figured that would be it, but didn't realize that Hart has boxing training. And Hart responded with an overhand right that decked Punk. Hart got in two more shots on the ground as Punk had a black eye and a goose egg before Sabu, of all people, (laughs) jumped in and broke up the brawl. Everybody stopped because Sabu, as nutty as he can be, according to Dave Meltzer, is a veteran and is respected, particularly by Hart. There were others who watching who did nothing until Sabu jumped in, and then the other wrestlers helped Sabu out. As they were being separated, both started yelling at each other with the you want some more type. Punk, who lost a little face because he started the fight and got the worst of it, was saying later that he was going to get him before the day was over until the people in the company made it clear that if he tried to, he'd be gone. Since Hart came in with the skepticism... 
The only reason he wasn't fired is because there were many eyewitnesses who all, including those who hate Hart, said that Punk started it and the only thing Hart could possibly be faulted for was smirking. And Don Harris sat them both down at the show being like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're grown adults. Stop fighting. Thanks, voice of reason, Don Harris. (laughs) Voice of reason, Don Harris. Uh, just sitting the two lads down and being like, no fighting. We are the civil in this world. We respect each other. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. It's not technically what led to the end of Punk and TNA. We'll talk about that in March and April. Uh, that, that The thing that do, does directly lead to Punk no longer appearing in TNA is coming very soon. And choices had to be made or were made for them. Mm. But this, this did lead to Punk being pulled. He was supposed to have another match against Raven in March, but that was pulled and Punk stopped appearing for a few weeks even before all that went down with Rob Feinstein went down in April and uh, March. So th- this is the end of CM Punk and TNA. February 2004 is his last match. Well, let's leave it till we actually cover the match to talk about. Yeah, we'll talk about the Raven and Gathering stuff later. But yeah, he got in a fight with Teddy Hart and he lost. <laughs> To be fair, I don't blame anyone for losing a fight to Teddy Hart. That dude probably beats fucking ass, so... I, I can't blame him for taking the L on that. But the problem is, if you slap someone to start a fight, you've got to be prepared to throw down. Like, mm. people don't take getting slapped kindly. They don't. Usually it does result in a fight. And usually the person who throws the first blow has a, a strategic advantage and shouldn't get their ass kicked. Well, because I think normally the, the type of people who throw a slap to start off think they're going to get away with it. Mm. Like... If you're someone who wants to fight someone and you throw a punch, you're, you're willing to fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you slap someone, you think that you're, like, going to bitch him out. Clearly, he did not bitch out Teddy Hart. I, d- I think very few people could. Yeah, it was the big joke when Punk started doing MMA. It's like, oh, the dude that got his ass kicked by Teddy Hart, huh? That should have been the, the match. They should have. UFC should have booked this. Imagine the promos. I don't think UFC are above booking Teddy Hart. No. There's many Teddy Hart stories this month. That, like, the dude is crazy. Like, legitimately crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's Teddy fucking Hart, man. He hurts his knee in a match against Mr. Aguila for the second America's X Cup, uh, which is the reason that he's taken out of a match against Hoovy and Jerry Lynn on the pay-per-views, replaced by Petey Williams. But there's a whole bunch of speculation about, like, is he working this knee injury? <laughs> yeah. Because he is a crazy human being who cannot be trusted in any regard. So literally everything he does is like scrutinized. And he's like, I think I can be the next Brian Pillman. And there's a bunch of stories about how he was limping around, but he did like multiple costume changes even after he hurt his knee. Mm. And there's stories about how he, how he walks around backstage making sure everybody knows that he's a heart. And he even talks about like, oh, did you know my uncle Owen died in the ring? Jesus. Yeah, Ted, we heard about it from Roddy Piper. Yeah, he's just casually dropping that into conversation. Hey man, it's Ted Hart. What do you expect? Yeah. And on the scale of Ted Hart things, him being a little weird and getting into fights is, is probably the least of it. Mm. TNA wrestlers also sounded off on CM Punk, who appears to be taking the bulk of the office heat for the fight. Some wrestlers have been down on Punk for whining. That's new about Punk. About his push and lack of promo time. The wrestlers say Punk has rubbed some of the locker room veterans the wrong way because they don't think he has paid enough dues to be complaining about a situation when so many of them are stuck in similar situations. Meanwhile, some wrestlers were down on Punk for talking trash about Hart prior to his return to TNA. You don't tell everyone you're going to kick somebody's ass. You just do it. Teddy may be immature, but Punk is a mark. This is a quote from a wrestler. Hey, please, don't put that on us. <laughs> yes, no, listen, I know some of you hate me for opinions about CM Punk, even though I like CM Punk and I think he's, I think he's great. But yeah, some wrestlers did not think much of Punk. 
back in 2004. Uh, probably because he was, again, he's as loudmouth as Teddy Hart is without all the other problematic stuff. There was a lot of talk backstage that Punk will be punished more severely by TNA officials because he was the one who started the fight. Wrestlers say it was no coincidence that Punk did a clean job in the Gatherings match versus Raven and Sabu. Sources say a rematch was between those teams was originally scheduled for next week, but TNA officials called off a promo with the Gathering and James Mitchell that was going to set it up while they decide what Punk's involvement will be. If any. Poor Julio. That's also the thing. Yeah, Julio also his last match in TNA. He doesn't even get like the, the, the paltry few singles matches afterwards. He's also done. Couldn't even give him like a Raven singles. Yeah, throw him in the X Division. Just throw him in some multi-mans or something. Just uh, give Julio some work. The poor dude. Yeah, come on, Punk. At least give Julio fucking a Ring of Honor call. What are you doing? <laughs> you fought with Teddy Hart and you cost Julio his job. The least you could do is get him into AEW. <laughs> yeah. Alright. So, uh, that's the big fight between Teddy Hart and CM Punk, which was, among other things, one of the catalysts for Punk's leaving TNA. A classic. A classic in indie wrestling indeed. And Punk does ask it. You've got to be getting me is brought to you this week by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh has fit and wholesome recipes for satisfying and nutritious meals that you can feel good about with six recipes per week to choose from, including low-calorie and carb-conscious options. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need to easily customize your order online or in the app, easily change your delivery day, food preferences, and plan size, or skip a week whenever you need to. So if interested, go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 using the promo code VOW16. Alright, that's all the news for the month. That brings us to broad topics, which we will start with the America's X Cup. Why not? Let's start with the X Division. Yeah, because it knocks off a whole show. (laughs) Yeah, so February 11th, 2004, we won't talk about the Jeff Jarrett stuff, we'll talk about that separately, we'll just stick to the America's X Cup, was the 2004 America's X Cup, which was a team-on-team format, where Team AAA, which was Juventud Guerrero, Mr. Aguila, Abismo Negro, and Hector Garza faced Team TNA, which is Sanjay Dutt, Jerry Lynn, Elix Skipper, and... Chris Saban. Chris Saban, how could I forget? Oh, that's the wow. worst thing I've ever done. Wow, of Chris Saban over here. <laughs> and Chris Saban. They faced off, so it was four singles matches worth a point each, two tag team matches worth two points each, and then an eight-man tag team elimination match where you got two points per elimination. In the event of a tie, the two captains would face off the following week to determine the ultimate winner of the America's X Cup. I love these rules. And I think a very cool thing about the America's X Cup is it's it's a trophy... But it's treated as a title. So yeah. in March, the winner of the this America's X Cup will then defend the America's X Cup against a different team. Yeah, I think that's a really cool idea. Which wasn't originally the plan. The original plan was to do a TNA versus IWA show in March. But IWA accidentally, I think, <laughs> or didn't realize they had signed like an exclusive deal with some promoter in New York and couldn't do a co-promoted thing with TNA anymore. <laughs> so... That that was off the table, so that's where the idea of defending the America's X Cup came from. I like the defending the X Cup. I think it's cool. It feels like a title for a stable. Yeah. So the four singles matches we started with a rematch of the 2003 Super X Cup final as Juventud Guerrera faced Chris Saban. Not as good as the first time, but still a damn good match. 
yeah, they definitely didn't hit the the highs of the first match. But this is fun. They did some... Like, the, all of this stuff is really cool stuff. The very weird finish to this one. Mm. That kind of felt like it might have not been correct. But maybe it was... It didn't... Like, maybe because it was only a point on the line, it didn't really matter in the long run. But uh, Hoovy hits, like... Uh, Hoovy drive out of nowhere. And Saban kicks out? <laughs> maybe this was just to protect Saban because he's the champ? Yeah, I was thinking that. Because, like, this match is relatively short. I think it's, like, ten minutes. Whereas uh, their last match was over 15. And maybe it was edited, maybe it was cut down, maybe there's something worse than there. But yeah, it's very weird. It's like Hoovy just hits the Hoovy driver, counts one, two, Saban kicks out right on three. So there is like some maybe didn't kick out thing. But yeah, it's very strange. But it was counted as three, Hoovy beat Saban with the Hoovy driver, Triple A go one up. Uh, weird finish, weird finish. But these two in general, just outrageous chemistry together. Except for the finish, apparently. But yeah, they had like this good little streak of just dropping each other on their heads, which is cool. <laughs> Saban had control, and Hoovy just took it right back with the Hoovy driver and won. And mm. but I, yeah, I, my guess here is that maybe they just wanted to protect X Division champion Chris Saban. Well, they didn't kick out on three. Yeah, but there were interviews with both teams beforehand. <laughs> well, while Jerry Lynn was talking to Elix Kipper, Elix Kipper was like, "This is our house, Jerry," and Lynn was like, "Straight up, G. Straight up, G." <laughs> Every time I've watched it since, I just laugh. Yeah, it was real, real two highlights here. A tale of two stories, because like Lin cut like this pretty good promo with the straight up G in it, and then Triple A was complete chaos. Yeah, so Armando Quintero was interviewing Triple A, and he's translating for them. And my favorite part of this is Hoovy does like this really long promo. He talks for like a minute, and you can tell Armando's like, "Stop, stop, stop! I need to start translating. I can't remember all this. Please, 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 stop talking." And then, like, his translation was, like, ten words. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Hoovy said they're going to win tonight. And then Hoovy walked away. <laughs> he's clearly upset about it. He's like, you being edited on this podcast. He's like, don't you censor my art. I am the Hooventry Guerrero of this podcast. And then Garza also said that they're just going to win. Yeah. So, speaking of Garza, the second singles match, Hector Garza defeated Sanjay Dot in what was, like, a remarkable squash match. Yeah, I liked this match. It was just Garza beating the hell out of Sanjay. He killed him. He gave him absolutely nothing. Yeah, and, like, it just beat the hell... Is this where Sanjay got the, the chest that we made note of in the first episode? It must have been, yeah, because the, the, there's chops, and there's actually a note that uh, apparently Sanjay was upset. Actually, no, it was Hoovy, I think, that chopped his chest in the tag match as opposed to this match. There's a note about Hoovy and Sanjay later, which we'll get to. Hmm. I like Mike today on commentary being like, Hector Garza was one of the most misused wrestlers in WCW. <laughs> My favorite thing about that was as soon as he said like Hector Garza in WCW, I knew that his next sentence was going to be misused. I could I could tell from the infliction on his voice what he was about to say about Hector Garza in WCW. It's like Hector Garza uh, as a guy who looks like this and can fly like that should be a big star and they dropped the ball with him and they didn't know Yeah, to unlike use him. TNA, which will use him perfectly, world champion top guy. They did intend to. They always intend to. Well, no, it wasn't even the booking that got in the way this time. Yeah. I like, um, are the guys, are all the Gazas just excellent? Like, is that just a family that's like, if you're a Gaza, you're born with it and you're going to be good? I didn't like Garza, uh, Angel Garza that much until he went to NXT and he had those matches with Leo Rush. And I'm like, fuck, he's great. Awesome. Yeah. 
Because like his TNA stuff is fine. It's nothing special, but it's it's nothing bad. He's just he's just pretty good. And then he goes to have those Leo Rush matches, and like God, he's actually he's great. Yeah, I, really good. I, I just and then you see Hector here, and you're like, wow, he's awesome. He did do the FTR power bomb off the ropes into a like a sit out power bomb. Mm-hmm. Except that he kind of missed the ropes with Sanjay's back, and you could see it was mostly Sanjay's head that hit the ropes. <laughs> It's cooler, in my opinion. <laughs> Sanjay having a bad night. So Garza had Sanjay pinned twice. He pulled Sanjay up both times and then just beat him anyway with the Torneo. <laughs> yeah, good stuff though. I really like this match. I thought it was a ton of fun. Triple A, 2-0 up. It must be noted, a story thing which we'll cover when we talk about the Jarrett stuff, but Jarrett has put pressure on Lynn to say that if Team TNA does not win the America's X Cup, that Jerry Lynn will be fired. Mm-hmm. He said he'll be in breach of contract if he doesn't win. That's their their favorite thing. Everything is a breach of contract. To be fair, I like it though. It puts like a reason beyond. Like it gives uh, Jared an out for getting out, getting rid of him. That makes a little more sense. It's like when you signed, you said you were going to win, so win. So speaking of Jerry Lynn, he had to turn it around. They're two 0 down. He faced Mister Aguila in a match I enjoyed a lot. I thought Mister Aguila had a very good showing in all of these matches. I did. All right, I agree. I thought he had a good showing. I was mostly distracted by his ass cheeks that I could see through his goddamn gear. Nice. His gear has a bunch of holes in it. I am personally a fan of Mr. Agwell getting his butt out. And he has like a bright red thong under his gear. Yeah, all power to him. <laughs> but I just did. I just thought it was a part of the design of his gear for like half the match. And then I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and he's, and I'm, I'm like looking at him like, that's his ass cheek. That's his shoot butt. Yeah, that's his for real shoot butt. His real butthole. Yeah, and I was like, wow, I just didn't expect this. I'm here for sexy S.A. Rios, Liam. I mean, sure. I like that his gear is light up. Mm. <laughs> Glow in the dark gear. Kyla getting his ideas from this, clearly. He's watching his America's X Cup, he's like, hmm. Yeah. Oh no, he actually got the idea from Tai Chi, who later competes in a World X Cup <laughs> this year. Wow. Does he compete against Mr. Aguila? I can't remember is Mr. Aguila on that team Mexico. We'll have to. That'll be a that'll be a time to find out. Did Taichi steal the the pants ripping from Hector Gaza? Yeah, God, all all of this is coming together. All of these New Japan characters stealing things from America's X Cups. Wow, makes you think. So Jerry Lynn and Mr. Aguila renewing their big rivalry from WWF Jacked. <laughs> oh hell yeah! They had a couple matches on Jacked before they wrestled here. I uh, got. I want you to do some written reviews of those matches for the. For the Patreon. <laughs> sure, I'm sure Monsoon Classic has posted them on YouTube. If they're there, I'll watch them. Hell yeah. Mr. Aguilar, dude, a real rad dive over the post. This, one, this, meant, this show is great. It really shows you that, like, the the shows where they have a consistent theme throughout the whole show, and also when the X Division is the focus, are really great. When you just put two good wrestlers in the ring and give them a reason to wrestle, it's very interesting. I feel like there was only one... Two matches where the crowd started to dip out of interest on this show, hmm. but by the time we got back to the main event, they were they were all in. Yeah, because the main event was actually taped. Surprisingly, it was taped at the end of the show uh, of the the previous week show, so they they had seen like everything beforehand, and then they got super into that uh, final. It was patriotism, baby. Hmm. And then final first round, Jerry Lynn beat Mr. Aguila, by the way, with a pile driver, 2-1 triple A. And then the final first round match, Abismo Negro defeated Elix Skipper to go 3-1 up with a Mahistral Cradle. Yeah, all these matches were just all pretty good. The Saban Hubi one was the closest to grade, but the rest were just really enjoyable little matches, except Garza just completely squashed Sanjay. 
I love that match. That's my, that might be my favorite match of the openers. Poor Sanjay. You like seeing Sanjay get squashed. Well, no, I, I actually have a point about Sanjay later on. But um, I wanted to mention that this might be the first time I've seen Abismo Negro ever. <laughs> mm. Like, I have seen the mask. Like, very iconic mask that I, I have definitely noticed before. But uh, this might be the first time I've seen him work. And I was like, wow, this guy works nothing like what I thought. He's really good. What did you think he worked like? I don't know. I just, I guess I, I, I had... Maybe because of the times of when I knew him or something, I just threw him into the barrel of, like, Lucha Brawler guy. Mm. But, like, I was like, oh, man, he's, like, flipping and flying and doing some cool technical stuff. I was like, this guy rocks. And of course, Mr. Abyssal would die in 2009. Do you know the circumstances around his death? I do not. So he got on a bus going to Mexico City, and he had some kind of anxiety attack. Oh, God. And then he got off the bus. It was 1.30 in the morning. Then he was lost. He was wandering the Mexican hills and countryside, and he was found dead in the river a couple of days later. Jesus. I know, because uh, I was pretty sure he had passed away, but it, I, I'm not super up on Lucha, so I had to look it up. And I was like, oh, God, that's just tragic. That, is, that sounds awful. It sounds terrifying. It does. And one of the promoters, while he was lost and people were like out searching for him, he, Abismo Negro was meant to be booked on a show. But obviously he, he wasn't there. So the, the the promoter got somebody else to play Abismo Negro while they knew he was like lost and people were out searching for him. Did that go down well? No, he was suspended for two years from promoting wrestling. Yeah, good. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I get like, like not having commissions and things like that, like because they normally it's a broken system. But like things like that are like why you should have them, I guess. Yeah, because for the most part, it's a hustle for states to make money. But then... In the instances where they are holding people accountable for just bad actors, the good commissions should exist. Yeah, because, like, what else? Like, if there isn't one, like, that dude just goes, promotes the show the next week. Mm. It's a weird, it's a weird uh, dynamic. And then I don't know how we got into that part of it. But, yeah, it sounds uh, horrifying and upsetting. But he beat up the Skipper with a, <laughs> a freaking lavastral lavastro- cradle. Hell yeah. He had a great showing on this night, so... Yeah, I thought all like it was a very good team AAA. Not all of these America's X Cup teams will be this good, especially the Team UK is kind. These of are terrible. two pretty stacked teams. But yeah, these are two like real good teams going head to head here. Yeah. So AAA were three one up going into the tag team matches, where Abismo Negro and Juventud Guerrero faced Sanjay and Jerry Lynn. I like this one too. I liked the finish of here where uh, they, Sanjay went for the top rope Hurricane Runner and they just rolled through. It was kind of like an experience versus like a uh, tenacity thing. Mm. And I, I'll i bring the whole... San- I have a whole like a show long thing about Sanjay on this, but I'll save it till the, the final. Yeah, so uh, Bisbon Negro put in Sanjay, as you mentioned, 5-1 triple uh, Then the pressure is on, Chris Saban, Eagle Skipper. So there's th- this, this show running story where at the start of the show, Scott Hudson mentions that oh, you don't have Loki and Christopher Daniels on this team. It's not the best TNA team. But Jerry Lynn is like, no, those guys can't get along. In the interest of team cohesion, we've chosen somebody like Sanjay Dutt instead of Loki and Christopher Daniels. So uh, through the whole story uh, show, it's like, well, what if we had Daniels and Loki? And they're like, no, we're still good. So yeah, I guess I'll go into my Sanjay thing now then. I really wish this was done differently in that... Sanjay gets beat up in the first match. In the second match, Sanjay loses because of like an experience thing. And I was really hoping that the third match would be Sanjay proving himself and coming through and being the underdog guy who helps get there for Team uh, NWA. And I was really bummed to see him just get kind of jobbed out in that match at the end. He was the first person eliminated in the... the... Yeah, and, and I really I really wanted this story of him like 
proving himself, even if he, you know, because obviously uh, Team NWA don't win, but if they had have done something with, like, Sanjay earning his stripes in this, I think it would have come across really well. And because it makes Jerry Lynn look like an idiot, because the whole time he's like, nah, this guy's good, this guy's good, and he costs them at every turn. So I really would have loved something here where it's like, even in the final match, if Sanjay gets a, a flash pinfall on, on Hector, and then he he, he does the, the Rana again on um, Bismarck Negro and gets the win and, and pins both of those guys and just proves himself in that way before getting eliminated or something. I would have liked some sort of show-long story like that for Sanjay because it, A, it would have made Jerry Lynn look better. It would probably could have really helped Sanjay just in general. Yeah, I think the easy thing is just pin Garza. Yeah, like, have him get the revenge on it. At the very least, he could have just pinned Hector Garza. Mm-hmm. But in this tag team match, Chris Saban and Neil Skipper beat Mr. Aguil and Hector Garza to go 5-3 in favor of AAA, where Garza had Skipper in a Boston Crab, but then Saban caught him from behind with the victory roll for the win. This is a fun tag, too. But the problem with this one was it just kept going, and they were doing a lot of stuff, and they were doing a lot of <laughs> big moves, but by the end of it, I was just like, come on, guys. <laughs> just go home. You just want to get to the main event. Yeah, like, um, that's maybe the problem with doing, like, a big one-night tournament like this, which I liked for the most part, but it just kind of dipped at this point. And you're seeing everybody wrestle three times. Yeah, but it's actually kind of impressive, though. Well, it's spread over three weeks. They didn't actually record this in one night. Why are you going to ruin it for me? I'm ruining the magic. I'm, I'm ruining kayfabe for you. I know. I was like, man, wow. Like, you went out there, they did this all in one night. Must have been hard. <sighs> Exposing the business. I'm sorry. Yeah, shoot trash. So, main event, Team AAA faces Team NWA in an eight-man tag team elimination match. I love this match. I thought this match rocked. Um, This match rocks not only because I think it's a really cool concept. I liked the points per elimination stuff. I think that was really interesting. Everyone in here at this point had already worked with each other, so there was like some sort of chemistry building with everyone. I think the final two was really awesome. And just the crowd being so into it. Yeah, I thought Mike and Don were fantastic on commentary as well. Mm-hmm. As two guys who are like total homers, the whole total like rooting for the NWA team and like unabashedly, not like being like, oh, you know, we have to be unbiased. It's like, no, we're going to root for our guys. And they were living and dying by the near falls and living and dying by Team TNA making a comeback. And I'm sure because they had AAA commentary, like the Spanish commentary was probably the inverse of it, of the rooting for AAA. So I prob- that was probably fun on the flip side if we had access to the Spanish version. I love that kind of stuff. It's like when they did the New Japan versus Noah Wrestle Kingdom show. And you listen to the Noah English commentary and they're all like putting over the Noah guys and kind of burying the New Japan guys. And you listen to the New Japan commentary and they're putting all over the New Japan guys and kind of burying the Noah guys. I love that. Of course they should. Why, why, why should they be impartial? That makes no sense. The announcer should be home team guys too. Yeah. I thought this was, yeah, just a ton of fun all around. Yeah. So you had some really cool like wacky submission exchange. They did the, the submission chain, but they made it look like good. Mm-hmm. They did like a dive sequence that ended with a Hurricane Rana onto a pile on the floor, which is like a classic PWG spot these days. But in 2004, I don't think anybody would have ever seen that before. Yeah, that's, that's not a thing that you hit into like 2013 PWG. Yeah. But that's crazy. I really like Hector's tornado from the top to like everyone. Yeah. And that's, that's a big dude compared to a lot of those other guys as well. And he just kind of crushes them. He just does his double spinny thing, spiral drop thing yeah. <laughs> it is it, it's basically it's because well the tornado is a, a moonsault so it's not technically a trick, oh, i he, thought that was the spinny deal forgive me so he was yeah he was did like a, i don't even know what to describe it's it's because it's a straight dive except he does two spins while he does it yeah it's like the thing that phoenix does yeah wiped everybody out don west at one stage referred to chris Aben as a powerful wrestler 
Yeah, he's a power junior. What? No, but like powerful in the other sense, as in like powerful. <laughs> he's a powerful wrestler. Because <laughs> when he was eliminated, it's like Thomas is like, oh, they've lost Chris Saban. He's one of NWTNA's most powerful wrestlers. <laughs> it's not wrong. <laughs> and we're like, yes, you're right, Donnie. He is powerful. He's Chris Saban. We got another like mini Saban and Hoobie match tucked away in here as well. We got a mini like Hoobie Lin thing too. Yeah, and then it came down to Hoobie. So the order of eliminations: Garza pinned Sanjay with the moonsault. The skipper submitted Abismo Negro with the primetime submission. Saban pinned Hector Garza with a cradle shock. Aguila pinned Skipper with a shooting star. Hoobie pinned Saban with a Hoobie driver. Jerry Lynn pinned Mr. Aguila with an air raid crash. And then Hoobie pinned Jerry Lynn with a 911 Hoobie driver, which is a Hoobie driver where he hooks the arm. I don't really have much to say beyond just this is like one of those matches that you should go check out because it's probably um, a bit of an underground classic, right? Yeah, no one remembers this. Everyone talks about like the Saban and Hoobie match from the first Super X Cup. No one remembers this eight-man tag from the first America's X Cup. And it's so good. It's the perfect version of what this match should be. If you have like the spare hour, 30 minutes, just chuck this on. Watch this show and then watch and then like skip the post-match stuff and you're fine. Yeah, and you can skip all the backstage interviews in between that tell the Jeff Jarrett story. Yeah, this is a, this is a good episode of um, NWA TNA. I really liked it. Jerry Lynn was upset with Juventud Guerrero following the match that was taped for the America's X Cup, the 4-4 four four tag match. Wrestlers who watched the match say Lynn had every right to be upset because the Hoovy didn't protect Lynn while giving him the 911 Hoovy driver. It's Hoovy's job to tuck his opponent's heads when performing the move, but he neglected to in this case. Lynn did tuck his head, but landed right in his shoulder in the process. You can actually see it. It looks nasty. Mm-hmm. Making matters worse, Hoobie never apologized for it, leaving some to believe that Lin will have a big receipt for him coming. They do wrestle two weeks down the line, and they, 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 they don't seem to fight at all, so it's fine. Hmm. Then we got the Sanjay note as well. Yeah, Guerrero also lived up to his reputation for taking uh, in-ring liberties with younger opponents. During a match with Sanjay, Hoobie laid chops in so hard that Sanjay's chest was actually bleeding backstage. More than one wrestler noticed Dot's chest and inquired about it, but Dot didn't sell it. Wrestlers say Dot handled the situation the right way and seemed generally excited about working with Hoovy. It's interesting that it's like in 2004 that was like a ooh thing, but now I feel like that's a like a badge of pride if you wrestle a chop guy. Yeah, it, it is fun. That, well, not fun, maybe. But it is interesting to see how, how those norms change, how, how two guys go out and lay it into it. I guess if you go out there to be like, let's sink it in, that's one thing. Yeah, the, yeah. If you're if you're going in there with that intent of like, I'm wrestling Walter, let's go out there and beat the fuck out of each other. Mm. Whereas if you're going out there and like, let's have a nice little X division match, and he then starts beating the shit out of your chest, maybe it's a different story. Yeah, because like, what are you gonna do in response? Really, I remember it's like in uh, school we used to have a game where you get, where you just chop each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was always fun because like you could either go for it, but then if they blocked it, they get to get you. And you, or you could like fake it out, and then if they flinched, you could get one with them, and they had to hold their hands behind their back. Nice. And this was like just a twenty-four-seven game, <laughs> just constantly throwing chops at each other. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. That was like year eleven to year ten. I loved it. I feel like you would very much enjoy a game about throwing chops at each other. Oh, I'd like hit people in like the back. <laughs> oh, Liam! <laughs> no, they'd like hit me in the head. <laughs> This chop game seems to have gotten out of hand very quickly. Yeah, it was fun, though. We're going to have some nice knife-edge chop this to the chest. That's fine. But back chops are a particular low blow. That's... that's. Yeah. Bro, sometimes, like, you'd hit, like, the phoenix. Mm. <laughs> like, the over- overhand chop. Those would suck. Oh. But it was a good time. There was nothing better than flinching someone out, and then you're like, ah, oh, and you have to put your hands behind your back. Then you get to go full Roddy Strong. 
Yeah, but then like at that point, it's like you kind of like you know that you can push your chest out to take it a bit, you know. Mm. Or sorry, full rod strong if you're Scott Hudson. Yeah, big rod strong. Speaking of, let's move on to the other small X Division notes for the month. Just get it over. Uh, it's mostly building to the next America's X Cup. So the next show, February 18th, begins with Jerry Lynn, Elix Kipper, Chris Saban, and Sanjay Dutt facing the team of Shark Boy, Jason Cross, Jimmy Rave, and Liam Fave. Roderick Strong making his TNA debut. This is thick era Roderick Strong for sure. Yeah, with the the tights and everything. Yeah, uh, someone who I would go on to consider top five wrestler of the 2010s. Not quite there yet, but still really good at this point. I thought he was far and away the best wrestler in this match. He didn't have a lot of, like, him and Sanjay got in there and they were clearly like, we're going to do some wrestling. (laughs) Yeah, it was really great. And you can see the crowd getting into it too as they were going. It was fun. Yeah, Skipper did, like, a Rainmaker, but he did it from, like, a million-dollar dream. He also did it, like, immediately. It was great. Yeah, he had him in the million-dollar dream, and then he pulled him into a Rainmaker. It's like, geez, everyone's stealing things from Elix Skipper. Yeah. Because he does the Buckshot Lariat in this match, too. Not as good. Not a very good Buckshot Lariat in this one, but still. I think the the Buckshot's a more direct thing. Because he, he did the Buckshot where he, he did the thing over the ropes, but then kind of lost his footing. So he, he didn't do it like seamlessly into the Lariat where it rules. He did it and then kind of hit a Lariat afterwards and it was like, oh, okay. I like this match because as you saw the people coming out, you're like, ah, oh, this is the, we just lost the Super X Cup, so we've got to get all these guys a win. Mm. <laughs> I liked a little note from uh, Don on commentary where he's like, well, listen, we shouldn't completely like not give this other team a chance here because Sharkboy, Jason Cross, and Jimmy Rave have all teamed together at some point. He was especially focusing on Sharkboy too. He's like, I think Sharkboy's going to be an X-Division champion someday. And how wrong he was? He was wrong. Very unfortunately wrong, but he was wrong. How many future X-Division champions are in this match? Give me a shell, yeah. Well, the future is only one. Two? If you don't count people who have already won the belt, there's only one other person who goes on to win the belt in this match. Mm, but who has a few, who has a title reign after this? Two. Only Saban and Sanjay. Yeah. Sanjay not for a, like a long time, right? Not until 2017. Goddamn. It becomes a long story of Sanjay finally getting his exhibition title win. Look forward to us covering that in 2032. <laughs> Scott Demore on this show makes his kind of honor debut. He was in the PCO promo back in December, but that was more of a talking head thing. And this is also, he's in character here. Yeah, this is him actually playing a character on the show. So Terry Taylor, who's filling in for Scott Hudson, who's filling in for Mike Denae, who was fired. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, is backstage with Scott Demore, uh, talking about how there will be the next America's X Cup t- coming up on March 10th. It will be Team AAA defending their America's X Cup trophy against Team Canada, led by Teddy Hart. The Team Canada team will be Teddy Hart, Petey Williams, Johnny Devine, and famous Canadian Jack Evans. <laughs> Yep, notorious Canadian, Jack Evans. 100% Canadian man, Jack Evans. Canadian rap sensation, Jack Evans, from the heavens. The heavens being Quebec. So Scott Demore does a promo here talking about how Team TNA dropped the ball. They lost to Team AAA in their home company, in their home building. It was an embarrassment. So the NWA and Jeff Jarrett, they've all turned to Scott Demore to put together Team Canada to take down the team from AAA. So I think this is quite historic. Because this is, like, the start of maybe the second most famous TNA stable ever. Who's the most famous, do you think? LAX. Oh, I would have said the main event Mafia is probably more famous than Team Canada. I don't know. I really considered Team Canada, like, a staple TNA thing. Yeah, they, they were the stable of this era in particular. But mm. 
like if you were to ask the general person who had maybe watched TNA to name TNA stables, honestly, I think the main event mafia would come up first. Probably Aces and Eights would come up first too, but Aces for and Eights would probably come before LAX and and Team Canada as well. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> but yeah, this is the the formation of Team Canada. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. We didn't get like the theme song, mm. but the theme song is coming up. Yeah, so the the next week's show, it was P.D. Williams, Juventud Guerrero, and Jerry Lynn in a three-way match. As mentioned, it was meant to be Teddy Hart in this match, but he twisted his ankle working a match that was taped for the America's X Cup show that's coming up on March 10th. So he was pulled out of it, replaced by the debuting P.D. Williams. And what a joy it is to see P.D. I don't think he was particularly good here, but uh, sure. No. But it's nice to see him, because you know what he will become. Yeah, uh, he looked nervous, he looked like thrown into the deep end, which he kind of He looked of like was. someone who was in his third year of professional wrestling. Yeah, making his national television debut. Yeah. And there were Hoobie and Jerry Lynn who hate each other now because Jerry Lynn was dropped on his shoulder. Oh, he was probably terrified, huh? That must have been a fun dynamic to be thrown into. It's like, oh, Jerry, you're wrestling Hoobie again, but also this kid's there too, so good luck. Yeah. Hey, uh, hold it together. Thanks. <laughs> they, they had a perfectly fine match. PD won. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've got to get Team Canada off to the right start. Proving that they are better than Team NWA. I would imagine that Teddy Hart was booked to win the match, which would make sense because he's, he's team captain. But obviously he was pulled out. So it's like, Pete, you're winning. So yeah, Jerry Lynn hit a TKO, but he couldn't get the pin because his shoulder was hurt. They, they, they did incorporate, even in the eight-man tag for the week before against the team of nerds he was even then selling his shoulder being like it's injured it's it's causing me problems it's might not he might not be actually selling <laughs> yeah he's, he's a smart worker when he has a limitation he works it into his matches mm. so pd won he followed a splash onto hoovy after jerry lynn hit his tko to pick up his first win in tna pd williams he did not hit the canadian destroyer yet i was waiting for it i'm surprised he didn't hit his big high spot in his debut yeah maybe he just wasn't allowed hmm <laughs> Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. HERO.co. So that's the X-Division for the month. It's mostly just X-Cup stuff. There's a lot of backstage stuff with X-Division stuff. Uh, we covered most of it already. I brought it up. But it's mostly Teddy Hart being crazy. <laughs> Teddy Hart not selling the Hoobie driver. <laughs> Nearly all of it is Teddy Hart being a crazy person. <laughs> yeah, go uh, go read it. <laughs> we mentioned some of it. It's mostly the, like he's injured but might be faking his injury. When it was announced he would return, somebody said that he'd allow Hart to return over his dead body. I wonder, was that CM Punk? Because uh, mm. he didn't sell the Hoobie driver last time. Uh, did we mention the story last time where when he wrestled Hoovy, the the lights went out? I think we did mention this last time. Hart stood up, he went up to the top row, performed a backflip, and he told him he did it because he didn't think he would be booked again. So it was a way of saying goodbye. It's like, well, that's a way to make sure you're not going to get booked again. That's a, that's a Teddy Hart classic. Yeah, I think we mentioned that story when we were talking about... Uh, the Super X up back in September? Yeah, September. <laughs> and yeah, the story about him walking around being like, did you know I'm a heart? And my Uncle Owen died in a wrestling ring? That's a weird thing to bring up. Mm, it's a very strange human being. I like the way they have the classic complaint about somebody like him, where it's like he doesn't understand psychology. It's like, yes, he does. His matches rule. And also, like, that's not the thing to <laughs> get on Teddy Hart about, I don't think. Yeah, he does freaking spiral taps and stupid moves. His matches are good. I'm sorry. 
Just that you hate the man, and he is deeply problematic. Yeah. Yeah, and the note that this was meant to be a TNA versus IWA show, but that was dead because they signed an exclusive deal with a New York investment firm to promote them in the US, which excluded them running a co-promoted show with TNA. Garrett? Mm-hmm. Are you aware? No. No. Well, I'm going to inform you that TNA right. is under new management. Oh, are they, Liam? Well, you would know this if you watched the intro video for the first three episodes of this month, which is fantastic. Yes, so it is the Are You Ready theme song by Macho Man Randy Savage, except every single clip is about Jeff Jarrett, except one, which is Don Callis. Yes, which I really appreciate that Don gets one. It's like 17 clips of Jeff and one of Don Callis. I, my favorite little note is there's one line in the song that's like, are you ready for the X Division? And in that time, it's Jeff doing a house show dive. <laughs> yeah, doing a slingshot plancher, yeah. Yeah, it's really funny. Like That's like, you ready for the X Division? And it's Jeff doing a plancher on AJ. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. I liked um, that they did like a, a, a the footage getting red and shaking when he lays out Hulk Hogan. <laughs> As if he sent this man directly to hell. He did. We haven't seen him since. Yeah, he got sent to the Abyss Dimension. He did. He's living there with James Mitchell's demon fodder. Sure. It's where Alexis Lurie is now. <laughs> she will return one day. I guess Punk and Julio after this month. They've been banished there too. I want to I wanna see James Mitchell's hell prison. <laughs> I imagine it would be quite an interesting hell prison. He's an interesting man. I, I, imagine, it, I imagine it's very Hellraiser. Mm. But probably like quite classy. So not Hellraiser. <laughs> So, uh, if you remember, at the end of last month, Don Callis beat Eric Watts to gain full control of TNA, so we start... How could you forget? It's one of the best matches in TNA history. Liam's four and a quarter star match. It's funny to read, like, newsletters being, like, burying that match. It's like, it's two wrestlers who had no business going out there, sloppy wrestling, and Liam's like, four and a quarter. His match rocks. But Jeff Jarrett, Don Callis are in full control of TNA, and as you mentioned, TNA is now under new management, including a giant banner over the entrance. <laughs> My favourite one, of course, during the uh, the interview section, <laughs> they just stuck a big sticker over the TNA logo. Yeah, big under new management. Don walks out with an under new management sign that he's just shown around. And he's like, final appearance. Even during that early ready intro with Jeff Jarrett, there's like a big under new management label at the start of it. It's perfect. Well, that's what really sells the, like the next minute of Jeff Jarrett footage. Mm. So Jeff Jarrett and Don Callis are in full control of TNA as we open the February 4th, 2004, NWA TNA paper number 80. They all come out to the ring. You have all the talent at ringside. All the people who opposed Jarrett are standing up on the ramp. All the people who are aligned with Jarrett are around ringside. JB introduces Jeff Jarrett, Don Callis, and Johnny Fairplay. Then Jarrett brings out Tom T. Stenenbaum in the flesh. Ah, oh, we finally see the man. So the role of Tom T. Stenenbaum, was played by, who was Jarrett's lawyer, was played by an old Memphis manager named Ernest Angel, who caused a lot of controversy more than 10 years ago when he did an evangelist gimmick on the circuit and used a loaded Bible as his foreign object of choice. That's so cool. <laughs> Rules! This should have been his character in DNA! He would have been the perfect like foil and or partner of James Mitchell. Yeah, evil evangelist man with his loaded Bible joining the new church. Yeah. He aligning with the devil. He was apparently a real-life evangelist, so he understood the gimmick. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, that's who played the role of Tom T. Stenenbaum. Stenenbaum comes out and announces 
that the NWA board will be disbanding at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, which is the end of TNA, the end of that show that night. As soon as like he said that, it's like that's foolish. <laughs> You're going to give them so many opportunities to make mischief. I like he does say that he was notified of this last weekend, but he held it off so he could deliver the news in person on pay per view. Tom, you fool! Wow. You allowed them a window. Boy, did they take advantage! They sure used that window. But we'll get to that in a minute. He says that everybody under contract to TNA will have to do what Jarrett says or they will be fired because they will be in breach of their contract, which is their favourite slogan this month. That everyone's in breach of their contract. Yeah, they all have Twitch accounts. (laughs) You shut down your cameo. Yeah. (laughs) God, if it was 2022... So Jarrett makes a bunch of demands. He says the Team TNA need to win the America's X Cup or Lynn will be fired. We'll get to the, the consequences Ooh. of that in a moment. He books Kid Cash against Sonny Siaki where if Siaki loses, he'll be fired because a loss will be a breach of his contract. Which is kind of a great, like, recurring bit. You'd just be like, yeah, if you lose, uh, you're in breach of contract. Even Lynn, in one of his, his interviews on the America's X Cup show, is like, since when is a loss a breach of contract? <laughs> Since Jeff Jarrett got in charge. He books Abyss versus El Leon, where El Leon will have to unmask if he loses to Abyss, which is very unfair because Abyss doesn't have to unmask if he loses El Leon. Are you saying that Jeff Jarrett is abusing his power? No, he's not, because he books himself in an NWA world title match against a mystery opponent in the main event. Ooh. As a sign that he is a fair and decent leader. And then somehow in the time that he says this, Chris Harris is like, yeah, I know who your opponent is. Yeah, He's for, like, wait, what? <laughs> for some reason, Chris Harris knows and Mike Tanay knows, but Jeff Jarrett doesn't. I guess he sent out an open contract. So to start our show running angle or our month running angle, frankly, Chris Harris stands up to Jeff Jarrett. He's the one guy who grabs a microphone. He says he's sick of Jeff Jarrett. He's making this the Jeff Jarrett show. Jarrett then called Harris a mid-card tag team wrestler. We had a brief brawl between everybody. And that's the segment. Neat. So while James Storm is out injured, he has a bum shoulder. Chris Harris is getting himself a little singles push. James Storm will not be outshone this month because he may have the best thing that is in this entire feud. It's so good. We'll talk about this on the last show of the month. It's so good. If you ever want to see James Storm channel RVD. <laughs> oh, my favorite part of the segment was in his last appearance, as you mentioned, this is the end of Don Callis until 2018 when he shows up as a color commentator. He he's walking around with his under new management sign. He points at the under new management sign and then starts pointing at himself to indicate that he is the new management. And while Tom is talking, he like slowly like <laughs> irks it out in front of him just so that everyone knows. He like leans it into the camera shot. It's like if you ever have a job and you've know you're quitting it and you're on your last day there, so you just kind of fuck around all day. Mm. This is what this was. So to go through all those matches, Siaki defeated Kid Cash to keep his job. <laughs> How lucky. The union of Sarah the Ticket Taker, Tiny the Bellkeeper, and Jeremy Borash united to help Siaki. He picked up a winner with a roll-up. But then Don Callis came out and he fired JB, he fired Sarah, and he fired Tiny. He broke up the union. (laughs) He's just like, get out of here, you nerds. You can't help each other. You can't gang up against us for perhaps fairer working conditions. Mm. And then he just put the under new management sticker on him. Yeah, just to put the under new management sticker on Sonny Siaki to indicate that Siaki is under new management. But Siaki wasn't seen this month again anyway. A bunch of people were on the show and then disappeared. It does feel like they're kind of re-mixing things up a little bit, you know? It seems to happen to Siaki in particular a lot, where he'll be in like a, a two-week angle or be there for a couple of weeks and then disappear for a month and be there for another couple of oh, weeks and then disappear for a month. It might be due to the fact that he hasn't been great in these roles. 
Wow. So JB was re replaced by Tim Welsh, who was TNA's director of media relations. He looks like a larger JB. Yeah, fake JB. They, they, they went outside and found someone who looks exactly like him, but larger, and like, go out there. He looks like he just walked in and ate JB and then became JB. Yeah, he Kirby'd him. But he's like, just off enough looking that you're like, huh. Just Borash. Elyon face uh, abyss. Uh, it ended when AJ. Who ran could out. this man be? <laughs> Later in the month, he has a tag match, and he's basically just wearing the Apollo gear again. Wait, what? Uh, sorry, he's uh, he's wearing his own new gear. He has a new mask. He does. He has a new mask later in the month as well. But yeah, my man, it, I think I have no clue who this guy is. <laughs> I'm thinking it's Tracy Williams. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. So Abyss tried to unmask him. AJ ran out. That caused the match to be thrown out. Then Don Callis came out and he's like, AJ, you want a title shot? You want your title shot? Because AJ, of course, got his title shot because of that tag match with Eric Watts. Technically, he's the number one contender this whole month. <laughs> he's due his title shot. And then Callis gives him his title shot. A tag team title shot with his business partner, which we'll get into separately in a moment. And then our main event. Jeff Jarrett comes out. There's a segment before this. We'll talk about that separately. It deserves its own moment. <laughs> sure does. It's only like one of two segments that involve these people. So we could just bust it out now. All right. So Eric Watts comes to the ring. Through the crowd because he's a man of the people. Because he's been fired and he's not supposed to be there. No. Um, sure. So Watts comes out and he's like, I may not be DOA anymore. But I'm still a wrestler. And Jarrett, I'm coming for you. You remember that time when I debuted and I beat you up a bunch. It's going to happen again. Yeah, I'm, I'm, remember when I was cool as hell? I'm going to breathe that again. Then he is interrupted by Goldilocks. By the Joker. She has gone full Joker-fied. Yeah, there, there was this fun moment in the watch song where we were debating which uh, comic book characters equate to which TNA wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And at first we're like, oh yeah, Eric watched the Joker. And then we're like, no, Goldilocks the Joker, yeah. Eric Watts Harley Quinn. It's perfect. It couldn't be more perfect. It's so perfect. Especially when you watch, as you mentioned, Goldilocks has two segments this month. There's this one and there's a pre-tape later in the month. She has gone full unhinged Joker. She's like one step off of like wearing a green and purple suit. And putting lipstick across her mouth to simulate a smile and start to ask people, Why so serious, Eric? Eric, why so serious? She could have been the first jokerified pro wrestler. And like there's blood on her blouse here? Yeah, and just rant. And let's mention the clothing. Uh-huh. <laughs> what a look this is. <laughs> it looks like her pajamas, except it's not. And also there's blood on it. And also like, it's like cuddle up on the sides. Mm. <laughs> it's very weird. So Goldie starts talking to Watts. She's like, I'm going to talk to you about Feminism 101. Everybody walked all over you, Eric, but you never learned how to become a real man. I tried to teach you how to be a real man, and you just let me walk all over you, too. I faked everything in our relationship, Eric. Remember <gasps> Bermuda? Faked it. Remember the <gasps> night before the pay-per-view where you lost? Faked that, too. She even <gasps> made her orgasm noises, and then they're like, that was fake. <gasps> While straddling young Eric, who and then they got a good, and the kiss, yeah. So she she goes in for a little a little kiss, and Watts is like, ooh, yeah, he's Harley Quinned. He's fully like gaslit by this woman. Then Watts goes in for more. He picks her up for a choke slam, but then Jeff Jarrett cuts him off. And the crowd's like, boo! Our hero didn't beat this woman up. 
<laughs> Listen, there is multiple instances of crowds going boo when people mention perhaps problematic things. We'll get to that in a moment. I don't even remember what you're referring to, so I'm looking forward to this. Perhaps moments during the Vince Russo promo. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> we'll go to Goldie and circle back. So later in the month, there is one more Goldilocks promo where she's talking about uh, Eric Watts some more and talking about how she didn't get the chances she deserves and all that. She's she's even more unhinged later in the month than she was at the year somehow. I don't know how, but she is. You know, when I first learnt about the Goldilocks Alex Shelley pairing, mm-hmm. I um was confused. Because, <laughs> you know, it was 2003 and I was like, well, this is an, this is an odd pairing. Like Goldie's this like country singer lady, right? Mm. Uh, I get it now. I can see it from a mile away now. (laughs) So yeah, she's backstage with Terry Taylor. She's like, I can hold my microphone just fine, Terry. I used to do this job. I used to do this job, Terrence. Oh yeah, she called him Terrence, which I did pop for. I enjoyed her calling her Terrence. Of course, Terry Taylor, backstage interviewer at this point, because Mike had been fired and Scott Hudson had to go out and take the duty of lead announcer. Yeah. So Goldie, just as unhinged as she could possibly be. I like that um in the during this part too there was like a a I think it was Chris Harris like ran in or whatever. Mike Denae. Sorry, it was Mike Denae. And um it left Goldie just with the mic again. And I was like, if this is setting her up to be the backstage interviewer again, like she just got like dragged into the situation and got to keep the mic, I'm all in. She's just stuck there. It's like your mic lady again. And she's like <laughs> So to return to back to that first Goldie and Eric Watts segment, as Eric Watts was being attacked by Jared, attacked by the Red Shirts, the save was made by the debuting Dustin Rhodes. And I was like, who the fuck is this? So as we mentioned, Jeff Jarrett was facing a mystery opponent for the NWA title in the main event. It was the debuting Dusty Ro- Dustin Rhodes, son of Dustin. Whoa! <laughs> I wish it was Dusty. He's already faced Dusty. That happened in December. Uh, I wish it was Dusty again. <laughs> yeah, so Dustin Rhodes is here making his TNA debut. They had a, frankly, quite boring match. It was uh, the old walk and brawl. Yeah, the classic Jeff Jarrett filled the five minutes of his six-minute match with wandering around the asylum just throwing punches. Then there was a bunch of interference. Oh, I forgot my favorite part during the... Well, maybe not my favorite part. During the goalie locks and Eric Watts promo where Don West on, com- on commentary is just like, you know, I don't believe in violence against women, but smack her. But... <laughs> yeah, but just do it. Just do it. Just hit her. Yeah, now hear her. Yeah, so Dustin has a match against Jarrett. It's fine. Yeah, I liked all the interference in it. Yeah, everybody ran out. AJ comes out, hits a frog splash, but Jarrett kicks out. Good near fall. Crowd actually bit on that. Uh, Styles and Abyss brawled up the ramp. The Naturals come out. They threw powder in the eye of the natural Dustin Rhodes. The natural Naturals on natural violence. It should not be allowed. Dustin stole the gimmick of the natural from the Naturals. Everything's been stolen from January, February 2004 TNA. <laughs> yes, the Naturals came before the natural Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, this is Lone Star Dustin Rhodes, Liam, not the natural Dustin Rhodes. Not, not, a, not a decade before this. Completely different characters. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, Naturals threw powder in his eyes, hit him with a chair, allowing Jarrett to retain. But then Mike Tanay had a bombshell to end the show that... Uh, just before the NWA board were disbanded, they made one last decision. They made one last decision. They appointed a new director of authority who would be revealed in the coming weeks. Okay, so like that's cool and all, mm-hmm. but um, they don't have any power anymore. So just reverse the decision. They do at least later in the month 
suggest that the TNA owners have signed off on this decision. They agree with it. So they do somewhat cover that logical. Then what is Jeff's powers? None. What is he? What what response? No, he's apparently in charge of everything. Well, when you think about it, Don's in charge of everything and Don's gone. No, but the whole thing at the start of the show was establishing that Jeff's actually in charge and you have to listen to Jeff. But it's he's only in charge through Don Callis as his conduit. Because Don is the <sighs> one with the power, not Jeff. Even though Don is Jeff's lackey. But when Don is gone, Jeff doesn't have power anymore. Don with the wind. <laughs> yes, he is Don with the wind. And as is Jeff Jarrett's power. <laughs> Jeff is, is there and then like Don's leaving to go get his, his real life job. <laughs> and Jeff's like, don't go, what am I supposed to do now? And Don looks at him and goes, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> Don gets his big fancy NBA job. So there's a show running angle through the February 11th uh, America's X Cup show where Jeff Jarrett wants to find out who is the person who is being appointed as DOA. He's talking to Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas is like, you know what? Mike Tanay is the guy who knew. It's probably him. He's like, who do you hate the most? (laughs) Who hates you the most? He's like, I do hate Mike Tanay. He's like, there you go. And then I like that Jeff didn't didn't need any more evidence. He's like, it's Mike. It's Mike. (laughs) So same thing again, James Mitchell later in the show where he's like, James Mitchell, do you know who it is? And James Mitchell's like, you know who I think knows? It's Mike Tanay. Yeah, James doesn't even say it's Mike. He just goes, I think Mike Tanay knows. And then Jeff's like, it's Mike. It's Mike. (laughs) And same thing again later in the show when he's talking to Scott Hudson. He's like, hey, Scott, you know who it is? You talk to a lot of people around here and... Scott's like, no, I don't. And then Jared's like, you do know, tell me. And Scott's like, I don't know, maybe Mike Tanay does? <laughs> Scott was really good in that segment because he's like, well, mate, nah. <laughs> and Jared's like, tell me, tell me or I will murder you where you stand, Scott. So then after the Super S Cup, Jared couldn't let poor Team AAA win. He had to run out and beat them up. <laughs> so he runs them out of the ring and then he runs over to Mike Tanay and he wants to know who the new DOA is and Mike Tanay says he doesn't know. Then Jarrett says, if Tanay doesn't tell him, it'll be a breach of contract. Then Tanay just snaps on Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. You fucking useless piece of shit, abuse of power bastard. Get out of my ring. I don't know. You don't have the balls to fire me. Turns out he did. (laughs) Yeah, and he did. And I like that the crowd was like, (gasps) Yeah, so Jeff Jarrett fires Mike Tanay. Don West, furious, on commentary, saying things such as, Mike Tanay is TNA. Yeah. And just shouting, you're ruining this company. You're single-handedly ruining this company. Feels like that is a... That, maybe we should keep... Maybe we should put that clip in the intro. I might. <laughs> if, we, if he said Jared in particular, it would be more clear. God damn it, Don, you should be phrasing things just for the sake of... Yeah, just, <laughs> just, just splice in uh, a time that he says Jared into the line. Mm. So Mike Tanay looks very sad and shocked. He walks up the ramp very slowly and sadly. He does the classic turn back and look. Tell you all about it when I see you again next week. So yeah, Mike Tanay, fired, gone, removed from TNA. Never see him ever again. NWA TNA preview number 82, February 18th, 2004. As you mentioned, Scott Hudson is on commentary with Don West. Yeah, I like this team. I liked Don in the opening match accidentally calling Scott Mike. And then they brought it back up later when they were talking about um, teammates. 
mm. who have uh, wrestled before, like kind of inherently being able to go with it. And he's like, kind of like me calling you Mike. Yeah, he was like, during the Jeff Jarrett and Chris Harris match, he was like, you know, Chris Harris is, is a, a good singles wrestler, but he's used to wrestling in a tag team. So that muscle memory, he's going to be reaching out. Just like I called you Mike earlier in my muscle memory. He's going to be reaching out for the tag against for James Storm. And James Storm is not there. I think Scott was hurt. He was like, no, I'm not, I'm not Mike. I wish I was. So after the eight-man tag team X Division match where Jerry Lee, Elix Skipper, Chris Saban, and Sanjay Dutt defeated Sharkboy, Roger Strong, Jason Cross, and Jimmy Rave, Jeff Jarrett came out, he hit Jerry Lynn with a guitar, he then fired Jerry Lynn for breach of contract for not winning the America's X Cup. <laughs> I like that that's the thing to be fired for. He also just casually appointed Elix Skipper as the new leader of Team TNA. It's like, Elix, you're in charge now! Something that will not be brought up again. <laughs> He said that Callis and Stenenbaum have taken care of the new DOA already and tonight he will give Chris Harris a chance to step up to face the champ in a non-title match. Yeah. We'll cover it here because there's nowhere else really to cover it. There was also an El Leon and Dustin Rhodes against the Red Shirt Security match on this show. So we got the new El Leon sweet gear. Yeah, he had a nice mask. He had tights. He just looked like Apollo again, but with a mask. Wait, what? He, he looks like Apollo. I didn't say he is Apollo. Oh, okay. Because that would be silly. <laughs> There was a very long heat segment on, on Dustin, but then El Leon's comeback was kind of lame. I'm shocked. <laughs> it's, it, Dustin got the heat pretty well. The crowd was into it. They did the classic, you know, referee missed the tag. There was actually a, a top rope leg drop from, I think it was Legend. And like... Some classic heat. Dustin kicked out at like 2.99 for that. It's like, dude, you did not need to do that razor tight near fall for this leg drop. Yeah. But he does eventually make the tag to Elyon, Elyon pins Legend after a rock bottom. Yeah, I, but I feel like, when is this going to stop? <laughs> when are we going to stop doing the Elyon thing? Sooner rather than later. That makes you feel any better. Cool. And Naturals came out after the match, attacked Dustin Rhodes, Elyon ran them off with a chair, and that is the last we'll see of Dustin until December. Hmm. Oh, I've got to mention, he had a really bad singlet. <laughs> it looked like a singlet made out of his current gear. It looked like a singlet that was made from whatever was left over of Elyon's gear. <laughs> yeah, they were a very thrifty team. They were like, we'll get this one piece of material, I'll cut out some tights and a mask, and you cut out singlet. Yeah. So that brings us to our main event in which Jeff Jarrett faced Chris Harris in a non-title match. The point being to emphasize that Chris Harris is a challenger on Jeff Jarrett's level, I guess. The whole story of the match was there was a ref bump where, where Rudy was taken out with a crossbody. Jarrett hit the stroke, he got a visual pin. Then Rudy came back through... Uh, so Kid Cash helped uh, Rudy come back through. Harris kicked out. Harris hit a cataton. Harris hit a catatonic on Cash. <laughs> told Rudy if he counted the three, he'd be fired. Rudy refused to count. Okay, you you really jumbled up that last sentence. Harris hit a catatonic you, on Jarrett. Shut, shut up. <laughs> but Cash told no. Rudy if he counted three, he'd be fired. Harris hit a catatonic on Jarrett. But if Ka- Cash told Rudy if he counted the three, <laughs> stop, please. <laughs> Harris hit a catatonic on Jarrett. <laughs> You're not a nice person. If you didn't mess it up again, I wouldn't laugh so hard. Harris hit a catatonic on Jarrett. He. God damn it. <laughs> You're doing your head now. Now I'm just gonna just gonna sit here for the rest of the show. Harris hit a catatonic on Jarrett, and then he went for the pin, and then Cash popped up in the apron and said, "Rudy." If you count the three, I'll fire you. And Rudy didn't count. Harris hit a leg drop on Jarrett. Same thing. Rudy didn't count again. Jarrett hits Harris with the title in front of Rudy. Demands Rudy count regardless. Rudy counts down Jarrett. 
Shit. <laughs> God. Just gonna, just gonna die. I'm just gonna die. You have to leave all this in. Just gonna, just gonna die. <laughs> I just wanted to mention that the catatonic looked great. You should have beat him with it. Yeah, but what happened though, Garrett? Jared hit Harris with the title in front of Rudy. Rudy is like, should I DQ him? Jared's like, no, you won't. You'll count. And then Rudy counted. Jared beat Harris with the title shot, reaffirming the idea, I guess. It, it annoys me that they did the visual pin, frankly. Yeah, they didn't need to because the whole thing was... Like, you, you had the whole thing in the thing and Jared wins in the end anyway. So there's no point to doing the visual pin. I did like that this was the payoff to like Jared's abuse of power because we're getting the director of authority immediately after. Mm. So I liked that timing of like, of course Jared would get away with this once. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense like that. But doing the visual pin is just, it's its stupid. The whole idea of this match is that Harris is better than Jared, but they couldn't tell that story without letting you know that Jared would have beaten him first. Yeah. Stupid. But then, yes, as you mentioned, this is the payoff because Mike Tanay comes out on the ramp after the match and reveals that there has been a new director of authority hired by the National Wrestling Alliance board before they were disbanded. And that person is none other than Vince Russo. It's, of course, thoughts of that classic gigantic beep. Yep. If you watch the Impact Plus version, you'll just hear beep, beep, which is him shouting, fuck you, as the opening of his theme song. <laughs> which is like, again, very funny that Chris Harris got yelled at. <laughs> mm, poor guy. And again, Harris was in this match. He was probably still like, lying ringside when this happened. Yeah. Should have tried to strangle Jeff right there. But yeah, I liked this uh, segment, actually. Vince Russo is back. He's a babyface. Yeah, um, let's see how that goes. Mm, doesn't start very well. It seemed like he came back as a babyface and then immediately was no longer a babyface, but... Well, like, the, the whole idea is that you're supposed to be questioning whether or not he, he's a babyface, whether or not he is true to his word, that he is a changed man, he's now a decent fellow, so that when he does things, like we'll talk about the next show, when he books Chris Harris in a series of matches, you're meant to be like, maybe it's the old Vince Russo, but then he reveals, no, there's actually a master plan all along. I just questioned the booking more than anything. Just Vince Russo is a babyface. I'm, 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 I'm thoroughly not sure. Yeah, it's a weird one. So NWATA baby number 83 opens with Mike Tanay is back. Are you ready is gone. It's been replaced by the theme song that was there for the first show of the month. Or first show of the year even, going all the way back to January. I, I miss Are You Ready. Oh, your Randy Savage Are theme is gone. Ready? It's a good theme. I like that the second Bound for Glory was off the table and they didn't want to court Randy Savage anymore. It's like, get rid of his song. I probably had to pay a fair chunk for it. I wonder, like, was that like quid pro pro co quid quote? No, it's gone. Was that a a backroom deal in exchange for exposure? Yes, a quid pro quo. That's the word. I'm just descending into madness. I'm losing the ability to speak. And the worst part is now, Garrett, we've hit the second hour of recording. Sorry, the third hour. So now I'm going to start to deteriorate real hard too. Mm. So all the changes have been made. Mike Tanay is back. JB is back. Don Callis is now a consultant. He's been banned from the asylum. And the TNA dancer cages are empty. <sighs> uh, but, you know, I was distraught for a moment. But later on in the in the show, we find out that Lollipop has found other employment. Mm. Getting perved on. Again. I like that they didn't remove the cages. They're just empty. <laughs> That would take too much effort. They had like a solemn shot of it when they mentioned it. It's like, oh, and you know, Vince Russo has gotten rid of the TNA dancers because he's cleaning up TNA. And then they just cut to like a solemn, sad shot of an empty cage. <laughs> I remember it being like pretty sad. It was weird. Yeah. I guess it's weird because we've had them for so long. 
It doesn't feel like it's time for them to go. And we're, we're moving into a new era of Rinse Ruzo's tea and alien. Hopefully we can change the stage up a little bit now that we're removing the caged women. Hmm. So Maitane comes to the ring and he's like, I was stunned when Vince Russo was made DOA, but then he talked to me and he said he's cleaned up his act. He wants to turn TNA around. He wants to put a check on Jeff Jarrett's abuse of power. So I believed him. So then he introduces Russo. Yes. Uh, A fresh cut. Yeah. And different music this week. He no longer has the fuck you there. They thought that that might've been a little much for a baby face. (laughs) For a dude whose entire thing is that he's a changed man and now he's a good guy. Yeah. So, Rooster talks about how when he was last seen on TV in October, he got the shit kicked out of him by Jeff Jarrett, and his wife questioned, how did it come to this? And then he had his come-to-Jesus moment, literally, as he says, he (laughs) deserved his ass-kicking because he he prayed at the altar of television ratings at the expense of his soul. He talks about all the, the, the raunchy things he did, and he mentions that he did all, like, the vulgarity and the nudity and the swearing, and the crowd are like, woo! Yeah. Okay, so I like Russo as a performer generally. Gen- oh, no, now I'm you. Generally, but I really didn't like this, especially since he's trying to be a babyface here, because the whole thing was just him jerking himself off, mm. saying, you know, I'm so good, I did get the ratings, and I did get the success, and I made all the money, and it was all great, and everyone loved it, <laughs> and then he's, but he's like trying to be a humble babyface while bragging the entire time yeah i i didn't i you, well this is gonna be a sentence i didn't get a shred of genuine emotion from vince russo here which made this a very difficult promo to connect with maybe that was intentional because he's trying to play this middle line thing i just thought it was kind of bad the thing is like this is after or during i think while he was finding god and by all accounts, this was not just the television character. This was the man himself. There was talk about how he was a changed man. He, you know, he wouldn't swear anymore. He'd he'd be a good person. And it just made him a boring television character. I don't even think it was a boring television character. I just didn't think it made any sense. Mm. And everyone was like, there's a moment where he's like, oh, I'm a changed man. And literally the crowd starts chanting bullshit at him. Yeah, which is like, that should be the shtick, right? Is that he's actually just himself all along and he's pretending. Mm. But no. I don't know, man. I, I really... I This this segment did not connect with me at all. So he talks about how he's going to start asking for forgiveness from people around him, which brings out Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett, naturally, doesn't believe Vince Russo. He thinks he's full of shit. Which is, again, exactly what the crowd thinks as well. So Jeff Jarrett's just a baby face here? Yeah. Also, Jarrett's like, hey, you want to join me? <laughs> After all of that, he's just like, if you, if you want to join me, you can just say it. Yeah, if you want. We spent like 18 months feuding about the whole idea that I don't want to join you. But listen, now I'm the bad guy doing evil things. You want to join me? Yeah, come on, let's go. So Russo said, no, it's time to pass the torch to the young guys and give an opportunity to new people. And Jared's like, fuck that. (laughs) I I love how like fundamentally opposed to that he was. He's like, did you see me in WCW? I'm not doing that. This is my time. (laughs) Which kind of rocks, actually. It's like, I founded this company to get this chance. I'm not giving it to fucking AJ. <laughs> it's pretty good, to be fair. <laughs> He's a good character. So Jared gets in Russo's face. He pushes him over. Russo gets back up. Russo doesn't retaliate. He slaps Russo real goddamn hard. Good. He sunk that slap in. But again, Russo doesn't rise to Jared's provocation. He doesn't retaliate. He turns the other cheek, if you will. But the thing about that is, like... 
that doesn't make you a baby face in wrestling. No, it makes you a bit of a bitch. Yeah, it's like that in real life, right? That's like the bigger thing to do. Mm. But this is a whole genre of television about fighting people. Yeah. There's even like a note from Dave Meltzer about the Teddy Hart CM Punk fight, where it's like Teddy Hart could have gotten in trouble for rising to Punk and participating in the fight. But he probably would have been seen as a bitch if he backed away. So, you know, people were like, ah, you know, he couldn't have backed away. Because that's a pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah, you see it, like, in MMA and stuff, too. Is like, if someone starts something, you expect the other person to jump back. Mm. Just because it's a a sport built around punching each other in the face. So the whole idea that Russo will not fight back against Jarrett does just make him seem even lamer of a character. It just doesn't connect. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, which I guess is the whole problem with this... Russo thing in general at the moment. So Chris Harris has a series of matches, but he only has one at first. He faces Chase Stevens of the Naturals to get revenge for what they did to James Storm, putting James Storm on the shelf. So Chris Harris Mm -hmm. beats Chase Stevens with a catatonic, all well and good, until Russo sends Andrew Thomas out there to insist that Chris Harris will now face Andy Douglas immediately in another match. Harris wins that match too with a roll-up. Russo comes out a third time and orders Harris to face both of the Naturals. James Storm confronts Russo on the ramp. He's like, hey, what are you doing? And Russo's like, no, no, bro, bro, trust me, bro. Yeah, it doesn't seem um, fair. <laughs> yeah, that's, so the whole idea here is that, you know, Vince Russo says he's a changed man. Vince Russo says he's decent now. He's doing what's right for TNA. But here he is booking Chris Harris in a series of three matches, ending in a handicap match after he had already wrestled twice. Yeah, it doesn't, uh, doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Mm. So... Andy Douglas tries to use a chair, which distracts the referee. Chase Stevens also grabs the chair, runs into the ring, and then James Storm super kicks the chair into his face, and it looks absolutely amazing. Yeah, everything about it. And it's because, like, he can't really, like, use his arm to do, like, any sort of balance, so he just kind of throws his foot as hard as he can. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, I should have mentioned he does have his shoulder in a sling because he's injured, and he literally he just propels himself through the air, foot first, to super kick this chair into Chase Stevens, which allows Harris to pick up the win to beat the Naturals in a handicap match. Even uh, Don West is like, well, he's not gonna kick out of that one. Yeah, and Mike today like marking out. He's like, what a super kick! Yeah, it was great. So, kind of a burial of the Naturals, where Chris Harris beat them in singles matches and beat them in a tag match. But listen, it's not about the Naturals right now. I was going to say also that Naturals are losers, so it's fine. Yeah, so Scott Hudson interviews Vince Russo backstage about what he just did to Chris Harris. Harris confronts Russo. He's like, what the hell, dude? You said you're changed. You booked me in matches. But then Russo says, you're not ready for a world title shot, but you will get the match on March 17th. And by the time we get there, you will be ready. So the whole idea here is that Russo is trying to sharpen up Chris Harris to get him ready for a title shot against Jarrett. Mm -hmm. Because he'd rather Chris Harris be champion than either Jarrett or Raven. Mm. Russo at one stage here says you will hate me in the next 21 days and you can just hear a guy in the crowd shout at the top of his lungs we already hate you Russo (laughs) (laughs) just a guy that everyone loves yeah it's because it it reminds me of that time when Disco said do you think I'm stupid and everyone said yes and then you just hear the one lady in the crowd shouting hell yeah (laughs) she said shell yeah she's hoping for shark of course yes shark boy I, I think he's actually friends with Disco unfortunately who isn't? She does take Sharkboy down a, a peg in my rankings of human beings, just being friends with Disco. And his Elon Musk tweets. Ugh. Sharkboy, just tweet about shark things, like clam juice and eating kelp. Those are not shark things. 
Neither of those is a shark thing. <laughs> Name me a shark thing, Liam. Terrorizing beaches? Yeah, eating fish. Mm. Lots of other things eat fish too. Eating fish is a human thing. Not for me, it isn't. Do you not like fish? I'll never eat a fish. Not in my life. Not once. Not a fish guy? No. Hatred of fish? <laughs> yeah. It's very fishy of you not to like fish. That was that was bad. That, that was a bad joke. That wasn't a joke. It was wordplay. <laughs> Barely. Which is like jokes, except they're not funny. But and, worse. And they make you feel smart about yourself. <laughs> it, it's like, wordplay is like jokes, except like not good. <laughs> It's the the intellectual's joke in that it's not funny, but it seems smart. Does it? I don't think you saying it's fishy that I don't like fish would be deemed by anyone to be smart. I think it's very intelligent discourse that our listeners will appreciate a great deal. All right, come on, let's, we got like 17 more topics. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's the end of the Jarrett stuff. Jarrett's not in control. Vince Russo's your babyface director of authority, and Chris Harris is heading toward a title match against Jarrett, even though he just got pinned by Jarrett and got a visual pinfall against Jarrett. Jarrett got a, pinfall, a visual pinfall on him. He beat the Naturals, so, you know. That means he's ready. Are you ready? Are you ready to talk about the latest Raven stuff? Sure. So Raven's feud with the Gathering continues into... February, starting with The Sandman and the debuting hardcore legend Terry Funk facing The Gathering. It's nice to see Funk. It's nice to see Funk talk about his constipated horse. <laughs> so, yeah. Funk and Sandman do a promo before the match. They're talking to Scott Hudson and Sandman's like, here's my partner. It's Terry Funk. And Terry Funk is like, you know, you wouldn't think we'd get along. But, you know, my wife is crazy. My kids are crazy. My horse is constipated all the time. I'm surrounded by crazy, so I can get along with the Sandman, because he's crazy too. Makes sense. It's a perfect promo. Yeah, it's about as good as it gets. Classic Terry Funk, talking about his constipated horse, immediately in TNA. Yeah, that's about right. So we do have the match, it's the Sandman and Terry Funk against the Gathering. Funk does a moonsault, which is pretty cool. It's always nice to see him busted out. Mm, And he's like 60 at this stage, so hell yeah. Probably shouldn't be doing moonsaults, but still, he's Terry Funk. Ah, fuck, it's Terry Funk. The Gathering win with their slam elbow drop on a chair, and then Funk ran off the Gathering after the match. It was a fun, decent little affair. It was nice to see Funk and Punk. Yeah, I, I think the, the match that I have later in the month is even better, so we'll talk about that in a second. I liked, I liked the matching yellow gear. I think that was the later match. Mm. A note on this match, Sandman was knocked out cold for a few seconds when he was struck by a chair at ringside during his tag match uh, with Terry Funk against CM Punk and Julio and De Niro. Sandman was dazed after the match and was sporting a golf ball-sized lump next to one of his eyes. Sandman couldn't remember how he was, he was knocked out. He asked Punk and De Niro if either or one of them hit him with a chair shot during the match. They both denied it. Turns out it was actually Punk. He threw a chair that struck Sandman. There was some like, yeah, why did he deny it, huh? Punk's not making friends in TNA at this point. It's a bad month for Punk. Mm. Especially when like he's like, I'm not going to be mad. Just I want to know why I got the fucking knocked out. It's like, I just want to know. I just want to know what happened. Maybe Punk, like, maybe, I don't know. The people give him the benefit of the doubt here. Though. Like, why would he deny it when it's on camera? Maybe he just, you know, he threw a chair and he didn't realize it hit Sandman, something like that. Yeah. That's the thing, like, he could have just thrown it out of the ring. Mm. So, there was another note about Terry Funk and Shane Douglas. There was some tension between Shane Douglas and Terry Funk prior to the show. As all of the wrestlers were getting their instructions for the show opening segment, Funk approached Douglas and apparently asked that they could let bygones be bygones. Those watching from a distance say Douglas made it clear that he didn't want anything to do with Funk and basically blew him off. The heat between the two stems from an incident that took place while the two of them were working a match for XBW, Rob Black's promotion, and Funk was cut by a bottle, which he blamed Douglas for. 
All right, Douglas, come on. Yeah, when Terry Funk, Terry Funk, universally beloved pro wrestler, walks up to you and like, can we just let let it lay in the past? We you know let sleeping dogs lay. We can get along. And Douglas is like, no, ooh, franchise, no. Especially when the the ensuing incident seems to be that you cut him with a bottle. Yeah, he seems to be the one being like, yeah, let's let it go. Let's move on. And you're still like, no. I don't know. Maybe it was a punk scenario. He's like, I didn't do it. <laughs> Someone else cut you with a bottle of funk. Mm. Funk and punk. It's XBW. You can't say without a shadow of a doubt that it wasn't someone else who cut him. So during the America's S Cup show, Terry Funk just ambles out and cuts a promo. <laughs> now we need to give the... We need to have a little break in between the... The semis, I guess, and the main. Yeah, it's kind of a rambling promo. The crowd don't really care. The most notable thing about it, so this this promo, he's announcing that, you know, Sandman can't be there, so he needs a new partner. So he finally got on the phone. He called Raven, and Raven's going to come back and face the gallery next week. And when he says the words Raven, the crowd apparently react so little that they pump in crowd noise. Oh, I did think, I was like, when I was reading that it didn't make, noise. I was like, oh, I thought they made noise. No, if you go back and listen to it, it's very clear. He's like, and I'll bring back Raven. And then it's like, woo! Made people, I just thought people were really excited. It's a full Thunderdome pop. <laughs> the Steel in the Thunderdome from TNA. Again, the influence of February 2004 TNA. You get a, the Rainmaker stolen. You get Taichi's pants stolen. Who stole Taichi's pants? No. Someone find them. Thunderdome stolen. All these things. TNA's influence knows no bounds. Yeah. So February 18th, you do get the gathering facing Terry Funk and the returning Raven. And a match I really enjoyed. Mm. Terry Funk bled a bunch. Yeah, I mean, that was impressive. And it's been a minute since we've seen that much blood, I feel. So it didn't actually feel like overdone yeah. at this point. I think Funk is the only person that bleeds this month, right? <laughs> Which is a miracle. Yeah, and in this era of TNA, having only one person bleed is quite remarkable. I thought it was fun. And yeah, like I said, this was cool because I <laughs> I really like just the interactions between Funk, Raven, Punk. And Julio. And you know what, Julio too. Why not? Let's chuck him in or there. Or Julio. You don't want to leave him out. I just, I, I liked the, the, the like, gear in this. I thought it was really neat. Yeah, Punk should have worn the yellow shorts at All, at all Out. Was that that show? No, Revolution. He should have worn the yellow shorts, not the white shorts. Sure. Much fancier. Hmm. I liked it. There was a, a lovely touch when they were getting the heat on Funk. He was, like, wandering around and he had a lot of blood in his eyes, so he didn't know what corner to go to. So he started wandering toward the gathering <laughs> corner before, like, stumbling back into the Raven corner. That's good wrestling right there. Raven, much better hot tag than Apollo did earlier. <laughs> yes. Is it a hot take to say Raven's a better wrestler than Apollo? <laughs> <sighs> hmm. Yes. <laughs> it should be noted, Raven did come out wearing, like, the jorts, wearing, like, the shirt tied around his waist, the classic old-school Raven look. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it was in this match or in the last match, or just the last match of the month, but he also got, like, uh, a rip-off version of his ECW theme. Oh, God, yeah, that's the last show of the month. It's terrible. <laughs> it's, uh, it's fine. It's really bad. It sounds like the song. It's really bad, especially, like, his TNA theme is great. It's a really, really good. And then he has this terrible theme song for the last show of the month. I don't know, it sounds like Come Out and Play, and I think that's the whole point. It doesn't fit him at all, though. It's far too upbeat. Yeah, but that's what he's... It's it's the ECW theme, man. But it's even worse, because, like, he comes out here to his Raven theme, dressed he in his old Raven look. And then he comes out the next week, and he's not even dressed in the old school Raven look. He's back to wearing a kilt. If they were going to do the song, they should have done it when he was wearing the ECW gear. He's wearing the ECW gear here with his theme, and then he has the theme next week, but doesn't have the gear anymore. 
Yeah, uh, that, that is a weird touch. I don't know. Yeah, you should have done the music last week. Mm. So, post-match angle, James Mitchell comes out with a stun gun. We'll talk about that in a sec. He goes to stun Raven, <laughs> but he gets Funk instead. Funk throws himself in the way of the stun gun to take the blow for Raven. I was a little, I was a little worried about that. I was like, ooh. Well, you should be worried, because they used a real stun gun. Of course they did. I mean, why are we... Okay, listen. Old Jim Mitchell. <sighs> why... Do we keep giving you real things? <laughs> Last month it was real ether to knock out Raven. This month it's a real stun gun to take out Terry Funk. <laughs> yep. Note from the PW Torch. TNA used a real stun gun for the angle between Terry Funk, Jim Mitchell, and Raven. Mitchell was said to be nervous about using the stun gun and half-jokingly told wrestlers he couldn't believe that TNA entrusted the single most physically inept person in the locker room to zap a 6 year old man with a taser gun. When Mitchell was asked what would happen if he accidentally stunned Funk, he said there would be two coroner's trucks, one for Funk and one for himself after the other wrestlers finished killing him. You know, that is fair enough, though. <laughs> if you were the man who killed Terry Funk, you would not make it out of that locker room alive. If I was the man who killed Terry Funk, I wouldn't allow myself to make it out of the <laughs> locker room alive. You would be the one to take yourself down. Yeah, of course. Raven cuts a promo later in the show. Actually, I quite liked. I, I, I was kind of mad when I saw that Funk took a taser for Raven and Raven didn't even check on him. But then he did the promo later in the show where he's like, I started putting other people's feelings before my own and look at what it did for me. That's why he's doing it now. Like, that's why, like, that, was, that wasn't a revelation due to what happened in that match. No. That was something that he came into that match with that attitude. Yeah, that's what I mean. I was like, in, in the match, I was like, are you really not even going to check on Terry Funk? But then he did the promo where being like, I'm not going to look after anybody anymore. Yeah. Ah, oh, sorry. I thought you were like confused as to why that happened after that. But no, yeah. I was confused when, when it happened. It's like, geez, the dude took a taser for you. At least you could do is like, are you okay? But no, he yeah. did the backstage promo afterwards, being like, oh, after all these last five weeks, I, I I wallowed in my own pain and misery and self-loathing, and I realized that uh, me looking out for other people started to become the problem, and that's the reason I'm not going to do that anymore. But also, I'm going to bring Sabu next week. Mm-hmm. My pal Sabu is going to show up. Yeah, the homicidal, suicidal, genocidal. Death defying. So last show of the month, Sabu and Raven face the gathering in this long series of ECW guys against the gathering match in CM Punk and Julio De Niro's last match in TNA. Yeah, that's uh sad. Yeah. It's a it's a it feels bad not to get like the ending, you know? Well at least he he lost the Raven, you know? It's it's not the worst place to leave it. But also then he cuts a promo he's like, I'm gonna kill each of you <laughs> and it's like I guess you did. Yeah, they're done. They're dead. <laughs> you did it. All right, well, let's, let's talk about CM Punk TNA. It's a weird run where he had, like, the starting singles thing where he was just, like, a wacky X-Division guy. He disappeared. He came back as The Gathering where it's a mid-card tag team that just as it looked like they might rise above becoming a mid-card tag team, uh, circumstances conspired so that Punk would never appear in TNA again. So, like... Would this have led to a Punk and Raven singles match? Would this have led to Punk and Gathering getting like a tag title run? Maybe an AMW feud that people would remember? Who knows? I would have liked to see six more months of CM Punk and TNA just to see where it would have went because it fa- did finally feel like Punk had a, like somewhat of a direction as opposed to pretty much all before this where it didn't. But yeah, it's a weird run. I think I'm way more positive than I thought I was going to be on it. Mm. Because I, I thought it was going to be a lot shorter. Like he was here consistently for about uh, a year-ish and then did bits and bobs. Yeah. 
I assumed it was like six months. Mm. This was, yeah, this was a more decent run than I think. I think it's a better run than people give it credit for. I don't think, I think it's, you know, a lot of it's, it's CM Punk and this is what you did with him. But, you know, well, <laughs> they did what they did at the moment, you know. Eventually, maybe he would have turned into the CM Punk that we know. But at this point, I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing to do with CM Punk. Maybe the one miscue is not giving him enough promo time. But I thought for the most part, I liked it. I, obviously, you know, the gathering um, James Mitchell Raven stuff was like our favorite feud last year. So we can't be too low on it. Mm. <laughs> all the gathering stuff, they all the, the six-man tags they had were pretty good. I liked the stuff with Sandman and Partner of the Week. I like where we ended up over here. Just, yeah, um, like you, I think. I wish... I, 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 I would have liked to have seen the finale, the full wrap-up here and see where they went from there. But, I, I, yeah, I think this is a better run than it gets credit for. It would have been very interesting to see him survive into two thousand late 2004-2005 TNA. If he made it to, like, the, the the good era? Yeah, if he made it to the good era where they're giving people opportunities, and particularly if he made it to the time when Joe was here, yeah, it would have been very interesting to see, does he choose WWE? Mm. You know? Or, or does he become a TNA guy? Yeah, it's like in a world where he can keep doing ROH and do, like, the TV, TNA, pay-per-view, TNA schedule. Mm. It's like, how does that, how different does that look? Does he instantly pick up the phone i think that yeah that's a very interesting alternate history but we don't get to see it mm. and then like you know would he go on to be like the biggest star in wrestling yeah or just a guy in tna or like an aj level guy or even if he like stayed in tna to like 07 and jumped to WWE, then does it look different if he comes to WWE with tna exposure does it how does that work does he become like a chris harris yeah is it worse for him is it better for him these are interesting mm. questions that we will never have answered if only we could look into this multiverse of matches. <laughs> By the way, for, fuck everyone who says that's a bad name for a show. That's a great name for a show. Tim was a big fan of his Marvel wordplay. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, now you're a supporter of wordplay, huh? Uh, yes. I'm taking that, that Marvel money under the table as we speak. So in this match, Raven accidentally, I think, maybe on purpose, I think it's accidentally, hits Sabu with a chair. Sabu was going for a springboard and... He hit him with a chair while he was trying to hit Punk. They cut to a weird angle. You couldn't really see what happened. But I think the idea is that maybe he hit him on purpose. I don't know. I think it was accidental, but he didn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, that might be it too. Then he dropped Punk with the DDT and cut a promo off the match saying he's still coming for Jarrett. And he's a bit mad that Chris Harris is getting a title shot. Yeah, he's like, well, what about me? What about Raven? That's unlike him to say. Mm. <laughs> I like that this dude's catchphrase is a really whiny thing. Yeah. <laughs> what about me? <laughs> oh, my title shot. To be fair, probably should have his title shot. Listen, if anybody's should have a title shot, it's AJ. Yeah, AJ should be whining more. What about me? What about AJ? What about me? What about AJ? Wow, great AJ impression. I thought he was in the room. <laughs> it's getting better and better. <laughs> Your AJ and Dixie are like right next to each other. Yeah, it's just like a slightly higher pitched one and a slightly lower pitched one. So that takes us to tag teams. One of the big stories is the split up of Simon Diamond and Johnny Swinger. I'm devastated. I I have no idea why they're doing this. I don't. I guess they want to give the Juggalos a real wrestler. <laughs> and that's Simon Diamond? Yeah, I like Simon Diamond. I wouldn't exactly consider him Juggalo adjacent, though. I know, but like, maybe they just want to, they want like a guy to put with them to keep the matches from going off the rails and they trust Simon Diamond? I don't know. I think if you look at this month, there is a single theme in the tag division. It's one of the classics. 
Yeah, the tag team partners that hate each other. Every single team hates each other. Except AMW. They kept they kept strong. Well, because they're not teaming this month. They're safe from it because they're not teaming. Yeah, because James Storm is essentially Chris Harris's manager this month. Because Simon Diamond and Johnny Swinger are breaking up. I think they broke up the red shirt security at the end of the month. They seem to suggest Legend was fired. Oh, yeah, they killed Legend. <laughs> they murdered him. Legend is gone. 3LK has dissension for some reason. Yeah, the most, like tight group I've ever seen. I, I did not expect that at all. The new franchise has dissension to cover and over from last month. But I feel like they've kind of, they've joined back up a little bit. Yeah, the, the dissension in Tree LK has brought them together. <laughs> yeah. They, they they transferred their dissension onto another team. That's what, By the way, that's um, good couple advice. If you're, a, if you're a couple that's on the rocks, just uh, ruin someone else's relationship. Deflect all your angst onto somebody else's relationship? Oh yeah, it'll, it'll save it. That's what happens. For every year you cut from someone else's relationship, it comes onto yours. Ah, good. Mm-hmm. You should charge for this. This <laughs> advice? Yeah. Alright, new Patreon tier. <laughs> Liam's romantic save advice. Save your marriage. <laughs> Oh, can we do like a Dr. Drew show? <laughs> Send your, your marriage questions to Liam and he'll try and help you. For like 10 bucks. Of course, Eric Watts and Goldilocks also can't get along. I will try my best to fix it, but I think they might be better off separate. And the actual tag team champions also can't get along, but we'll get to that in a minute. Well, yes, but it's a different scenario, I feel. So Mike today has a sit-down interview on the first show of the month with Simon Diamond and Johnny Swinger. He asks them again about the loyalty oath. Diamond is very upset about the idea of giving Disco credibility, which I think is a good thing to be upset about. A clip that we will now have forever. Well, that should be an intro clip if we're doing a new intro clip. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I cannot believe why we're giving Disco Inferno credibility or Star Trek Liberty. That's that's a pretty good one. So we'll add that to the intro, and we're definitely adding the Jerry Lynn G one <laughs> to the intro. <laughs> of course. Uh, straight up G. Straight up G. So Swinger talks about how Diamond was the best man at his wedding and their bond can't be broken. Then Johnny Fairplay popped up and was like, hey, one of you signed the loyalty oath. And then Simon Diamond chased him. Like, John Fairplay, mm-hmm. for someone who's a performer, doesn't perform very well. He is still annoying in how he performs, though. But he's so... He, am I watching Stephen Grant up here? This man's so neurotic. Ah, That's a joke for you. Thank you. And you alone. Uh, <laughs> you did the classic related to a thing I hate, so I then can't defend Johnny Fairplay without having to, like, <laughs> defend Moon Knight by transmitted properties. So. It's like he's lost every like bit of confidence he had. And I found it evident... When comparing him on that interview show that he was on, that we saw the clips from. And it's like, that guy, that guy on that interview show had confidence and was a TV guy. And then when he was doing his in-ring stuff, it came across so bad and like he was so anxious. Yeah, I think it's the difference between him performing, capital P, and just like, just being himself. He should just try being himself. And himself is like an asshole, so it should be fine. So, yeah. I don't know. That's a weird one. I didn't like him this month very much. We'll talk more about him when we get to the AJ and Abyss stuff. Because he's kind of involved in that for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever we're talking about still. (laughs) So yeah, Diamond and Swinger. We go to the third show of the month, February 18th. Where Diamond is like, tonight we will find out once and for all. I'm going to get the clipboard from Kid Cash and prove that neither of us signed it. And then he's, he goes to Swinger's like, right? And then Swinger's like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Swinger looks very mm-hmm. dubious and deflective. I like to uh, say that I like forever and always I am right. You are not trusting of Johnny Swinger? No, I, I saw it with Simon Diamond from the beginning. So at the end of an ICP against Kid Cash and Glengla Birdie match, again, we'll talk about ICP. Never trust the casino owner. Uh, they're always trying to swindle you out of something, aren't they? 
Words to live by. So Diamond and Swinger made the save after that match. We'll talk about that match when we talk about the ICP. Diamond checked the clipboard, saw Swinger's name. <laughs> okay, I know we're doing the bit about the uh, everyone ripping off everyone, but Festival of Friendship right here. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's literally, <laughs> why is my name? Oh, well, technically, it's why is your name on the list? But... Why is your name on the list? And he even gives him like the exact same heartbroken look that Chris Jericho gives him. And then he gets jumped in, like, the same way. My god, everything does come from February 2004 <laughs> TNA. <laughs> uh, I'm really looking forward. Shoutouts to the people listening to this supercut on YouTube of all the 2004 <laughs> February stuff that came into real angles. The most influential... I don't even have to stretch, like, in my bit on Twitter where everything is related to TNA. This is just stuff that's taken from TNA. The most influential month in pro wrestling history. There's the YouTube title for you. It can't be denied. So yeah, Ugh. Swinger jumps them, then David Young and Glenn Gilberti join in as the red shirts come out, or black shirts even, come out and make the save. I'm really sad about this breakup. It doesn't seem like there was any need for it. I like these two as a team. I'm kind of weirdly excited for babyface Simon Diamond. Don't ask me why, but I've become a big fan of Simon Diamond during this run. You see, I'm on the other side of that. I'm like, this guy is a natural smug heel. I know, but I'm interested in seeing how it goes. <laughs> He does kind of look like Roderick Strong's dad. <laughs> they should do that. Him and Rod Strong hanging out. Rod Strong and Simon Diamond. Strong Diamond. Strong Rod. Diamond Strong Rod. Diamond Strong Rod. Well, Diamond mine was right there, but still. Oh, fuck! <laughs> His literal stable in NXT with the word diamond in it. God damn it. God damn it. I'm really pissed about that. Shoutouts to, I think, Mike Tanay for completely shitting on this man's life getting torn apart by going, <laughs> Simon has a problem. <laughs> and then he gets beat up by his lifelong friend. Mm. It's like, oh, come on, Mike. <laughs> what the fuck? To be fair, that was Scott Hudson. All right. You know what? That makes more sense. <laughs> Scott Hudson's kind of a dick, so that makes sense. So then last show of the month, Simon Diamond faced Johnny Swinger in a match that existed. Yeah, it was alright. It was fine. I liked, like, you know, it's it's some easy booking here. The the freshly turned heel cheats to win, so the baby face doesn't look bad. Yeah, and then they restart the match, and then Disco, Cash, Young run out. Diamond wins by DQ. Disco, Cash, David Young, Johnny Swinger. Johnny Swinger. That's a dream <laughs> that team. That is the greatest stable I've ever heard of. It's a group that should be inducted into the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. Honestly, uh, it's really depressing that we never got Diamond in that group with Cash at the same time. Because mm. that's a... What a what a sextuple. <laughs> Wait, there's five of them. Oh, no. Well, Trinity. Trinity can be there, too. Yeah. Uh, weird that they just went straight into doing this match between Diamond and Swinger. Well, yeah, but I... You know, it wasn't a... It wasn't the clean blow-off that I'm sure this feud will get. Mm. So, a note, although they did not voice their frustration to management, Simon Diamond and Johnny Swinger confided in other wrestlers that they are not happy about being split up. Furthermore, Diamond is not secure about working as a babyface since he's been a heel throughout most of his career. I, I believe in you, Simon Diamond. You can do it. Yeah. You can look forward to Irish Pat Kenny coming up. Oh, no. Yeah, it's not a good one. This doesn't go well for either man. Why would they change that? It's TNA. Don't they know that no one Irish can be babyface? It's true. 
if you listen to this podcast. Uh, yeah. So the biggest story in the tag division for the month is AJ Styles and Abyss becoming tag team champions. As I mentioned, first show of the month, Don Callis books AJ and Abyss in a tag title match against the Redshirt Security. El Leon shows up, brawls with Abyss out of the building, but then... I hate El Leon. <laughs> I take it back. Road Dog, you get the pass. My new least favorite wrestler of all time yeah. is El Leon. Oh, Road Dog is bad this month as well, though. I... <laughs> He makes the same joke like 40 times. Yes, he does. Every <laughs> single time. Over two shows. The, wor- the worst part is he's on commentary on one show and then he's on commentary on the next show. He repeats the joke four times on the first show and then repeats it again on the next show. I know. He just keeps doing it. <laughs> when AJ faces the red shirts, Chris Harris comes out. He pulls down the rope, causing Legend to fall out of the ring. Then AJ rolls up Northcutt so that your new world tag team champions are AJ Styles and Abyss. Thank God. I mean, are finally a real tag team. Yeah, the tag team you can get behind. Honestly, if they were actual tag champs, imagine AJ Abyss against AMW would rule. They would have some cool tag stuff, I feel. And also, like, you know, I feel like a babyface Abyss, babyface AJ would be the best things that they're doing right now, but, mm. you know. No, they hate each other. Well, they do have some banger weird mid-card stuff, so let's, let's go. So February 18th, we have the debut of Johnny Fairplay's show. It's called Playing Fair with Johnny. <laughs> yes, this is also where we get the, the shots of him on the daytime shows. Yes, where he was on the early show on CBS. Is that show early? I'd imagine so, otherwise it would be a very false advertising title. Hmm. They showed footage of him being powered bombed by AJ. By all accounts, that was actually a very brief segment of the overall interview, but listen, it was there. Yeah, well, listen, the shout-out's the shout-out, and it was, you know, pretty good. I thought, um, that's a good clip mm. to sell to the general public, too, I feel. Maybe that's why they wanted AJ to go out there and fucking staunch him with it, because they're like, well... This is going to get shown everywhere. Protect the biz. <laughs> really nailing with it. Yeah, and promote AJ as well. That you know, When the Fair Play clip is the one that does the rounds, it's your top future star that's the one that's doing it. Yeah, and it looks great. So maybe that, hey, maybe that was the reason. So Playing Fair with Johnny was meant to debut with the premier guest of Joni Lauer, China, and they, they promoted this. It's always a good start when um the first guest... <laughs> isn't there and like this isn't just like you know bound for glory macho man stuff this isn't news they actively promoted it the week before they announced that china would make her tna debut as the guest on playing fair with johnny and she didn't china doll yeah go, going by china doll apparently at this point of her career was she already doing the new japan stuff at this point uh she would have been that was oh three wasn't it yeah because i think that was around the similar time as the hogan stuff so china's not there by all accounts she had multiple demands she demanded first class airfare which there's like debates on whether or not they agreed to give that to her but by all accounts she came up with other demands oh is this true like is this like is it the first cl- the first class plane ticket thing like that he was going through like an actual thing? Yeah, because Johnny Fairplay does a promo on China during the segment where he talks about how she made all these demands, including first class airfare and all this. And by all accounts, that's a shoot. They just brought that onto TV. Were, were all of them shoot? Um, um, maybe the word she wanted to create in and a framed picture of Triple H is what Johnny Fairplay said. So, somehow, I don't think that one's true. Yeah, I don't think that third one is the one. So yeah, China meant to make her debut here in 2004. She didn't. She would make her debut until 2011. Yeah, I don't have any recollection about that, to be honest. Her match with Kurt Angle against Jeff and Karen Jarrett? I don't have any recollection of that. You can look forward to that at Sacrifice 2011. God, I'm I'm pissed that we never made it that far into 2011. <laughs> oh, and the, the Monday War TNA didn't last long enough for you to get to see China? Grr. The Monday Night Wars didn't, didn't continue on enough. So, yeah, he doesn't have a guest. She would have been a pretty decent get for him. For Johnny Fairplay? <laughs> no, for, for TNA. <laughs> right. Yeah, she's a, she's a star. 
I like China. There was a pitch that they were going to do something between her and Trinity to try and make Trinity a star through China. That would have been cool. Mm, but yeah, she didn't show up, so mood point. So yeah, Fairplay does a promo about how she had all these demands and didn't show up. He, he does a promo about how Triple H has a big nose and he has a bunch of <laughs> columns in magazines and that's about it. Aha. He promises to sue Brian Erlacher, AJ Styles, and for some reason he says Simon Diamond? <laughs> What did Simon Diamond ever do to him? Um, oh, he chased him away the week before, but... Yeah, he was mean to him that one time. He, he just ran after him. He should have been like, I'm going to sue Erlaka, AJ, Triple H, and Simon Diamond. In China for no show on my show. Yeah. She's clearly weirdly okay with. But that segment ends with AJ coming out, but then Abyss jumps him, leading into AJ Styles versus Abyss. Yes. <laughs> some, they do some stupid shit. <laughs> Oh, I forgot to mention my favorite part of the fair play segment, though. So while he's do mm-hmm. he's doing the interview, he's holding the microphone in his right hand, which is the arm he has in the sling because he got powerbombed by AJ and press slammed by Brian Urlacher. <laughs> and he's holding he's doing his interview, and he's like, "Oh, that's my hurt arm," and he switches arms, <laughs> which was a great bit in um the the first week too, where he interrupted an interview and was like over the top motioning with both of his arms yeah. and then when was confronted he started going ah, ah my arm that's good stuff that's good heel work good job johnny yeah I, okay i tell you back you, you did you delivered more than i remembered mm. so yeah we have stars in the best they have a, a real good little match yeah this was a little fun one or they're just it's stars in the best they have great chemistry abyss is like bumping like a madman for aj which you think it's the other way around, but like Abyss is just like, I'm taking Rana's, I'm taking clotheslines over the ropes, I'm going nuts for you here, AJ. He just has fun with it. Yeah. These two you can tell like wrestling each other. Yeah, you can tell they just they just have that chemistry where they they just it just clicks and it's easy for them. You can tell it's easy for them. Yeah. But no, you know what's not easy for them? Um having a clean finish. Breaking a table, I would have said, but Oh, that's true. So Jared comes out, he strokes AJ, then Abyss takes AJ up into a press slam, <laughs> and he does like a spinning thing into a choke slam onto a table. Except it was cool as hell. Except he choke slammed AJ onto like the leg of the table, which means there was no give, it didn't break, and AJ just landed with a complete thud. Yeah. Looked bad. <laughs> like looked I mean looked good, but looked bad. <laughs> Like, he chokes on him so hard on the table. If you watch the legs of the table, they actually go through the ring mat. Yeah, like, buckled. That's a weird one. I don't even know how that happened without anything actually just breaking. Then Abyss is like, all right, I'll improvise. He goes up top. And then Jeff Jarrett, like an absolute moron. <laughs> like, mm. Abyss, AJ's lying on the table, perfectly fine. Abyss goes onto the ropes to splash him through the table. But then Jeff Jarrett moves AJ on the table. And just as Abyss goes to dive, the table falls over. So they all just land in an unfortunate heap. Yeah, there was a lot. <laughs> At least they had, they had some bad luck with this stuff. Yeah, they had some bad table luck in the other show as well. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like, it was like, it was too... Two uh, matches of bad table luck. These two men. Tables do not like AJ Styles and Abyss. I am the table. So follow up next show, they have a what they call a TNA tables match, which is basically first to put someone through two tables wins. I actually kind of like this. Well, I, I always thought tables matches should be tables are legal matches as opposed yes, to one table. 100%. I, I like this because uh, it's basically a tables two out of three falls. Yeah. Pretty much. I, the more tables, the better when you're doing a tables match. It's true. One table bump, bad. Multiple table bumps, good. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how, like, they had all these tables out there, right? Mm-hmm. But it, the crowd didn't feel the urge to chant 
for wanting tables in the match. I, it was very confusing for me. I was like, well, how do they know that the crowd want these tables to be used? The crowd were willing to just wait for the tables to be used? Blows my fucking mind. That's a bad crowd, frankly. Mm. So the stipulation for this match was that the person who puts their opponent through two tables first becomes World Tag Team Champions, can choose a partner to be World Tag Team Champions with them, and then next week they will face off against the person who lost with a partner of their choice for the tag titles. Which, okay, I like that idea, Mm -hmm. but let it be known. There's no real reward here. Either way, you're going to be wrestling for the title with the partner of your choice next week. Well, I suppose you are a champion afterward, as opposed to being number one contender if you lose. I guess you're fighting for the champion's advantage. <laughs> That's all it is. Because like either way, you're still getting the title match with a partner of your choice. Mm. You can win this and then just lose it the next week anyway. Yeah, but you still get a reign, even though you're already champion. How does that work? Yeah, no, you already have the reign. You just continue the reign. <laughs> yeah. So the first couple table bumps in this match look good. So Abyss hit a belly-to-belly in the ropes. He did the classic where he's sitting in the ropes and he throws Age overhead belly-to-belly through a table on the floor. That looked great. Mm-hmm. That was gnarly. Mm. Then Styles leveled it up 1-1 where he did a step-up Rana from a table that nearly buckled under his weight. So he stepped onto a table in the ring. Table nearly buckled, but he ran at Abyss off the apron through a table on the floor to go 1-1. Mm-hmm. Then... <laughs> table look so yeah ref bump aj tries to springboard splash abyss through a table set up on the ropes he does it once the table does not break he's like fine i am the table he does it again table doesn't break again i am the table (laughs) then he does a third springboard splash and finally the table breaks very very breaky breaky bishy bishy the referee is not there to see it then who else but lex luger returns to tna uh, looking fly as hell, I must say. He strolls on out, he picks AJ up, and what could like generously be described as a press slam. If you watch closely, AJ just basically grabs the ropes and pulls himself off and goes through a table by himself. I've never seen a man basically press slam himself. Listen, I... I don't blame AJ for doing this because, like, you really want to control the way you're going down there more than just being thrown. And it's still, like, the bump looked great, so. Also, I just don't, I don't, I think it was more a lack of trust in Lex Luger than anything else. Yeah, but I, I don't blame that. Like, uh, even if, like, even if it was someone you trusted, like, with everything in the world, you don't need to be Spike Dug- Dudleying yourself over it. Mm. Sorry, brother runting yourself over Thank it. Thank you for respecting TNA Cannon. So Alex Luger press slams AJ from the ring over the top to a table on the floor. Referee is revived, sees AJ in the table, calls for the bell. Abyss wins the tables match and is technically tag team champion. Why did they bump the ref? <laughs> could, could Lex just have thrown him through? Well, you see, they overthought it. And they decided to do... Well, no, they had to do a ref bump so AJ could get a visual win. Did they have to? No, but that's what their thought process was. Okay. So, like, there was a reason for the ref bump. Sure. Wrestlers were shaking their heads at the return of Lex Luger, although Luger reportedly dropped his asking price from five grand a week to 2500 for TNA. Wrestlers are still upset that the company is willing to spend that much money on someone who do not believe will increase pay-per-view sales. The unanimous opinion of wrestlers who were asked if their opinion would change if it came out that the company was only booking Luger to ensure that Sting would make more appearances is that Sting isn't a big enough name to justify his own payoff, let alone Luger's. They're so wrong about that. Yeah... I mean, not so much the Luger bit, but the Sting bit. Honestly, if you were to say we are booking Luger to get Sting, I'd still say, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, especially, like, my man cut his price in half. Mm. He got paid two and a half grand to walk out 
press slam AJ through a table and go home. No, he got he got paid two and a half grand to walk out and then AJ to throw himself off of his hands. <laughs> he got paid two and a half grand to pick AJ up. What a uh, fair enough. He torture racked him afterwards, so he did two things to AJ. Yeah, that was cool. I loved Abyss like doing his taunt next to him. He was so into it. Mm. Do you think Abyss was confused that he didn't drop to his ass? <laughs> it's like that's not how the move works, Lex. <laughs> He's like, here, I'll show you. If they hit simultaneous shock therapy and uh, shock treatment, shock treatment, shock treatment, and the the regular at the same time, greatest tag team of the year. If they did simultaneous shock treatments, I think Lex Luger would have died. <laughs> yeah. So AJ and Abyss are tag team champions, kind of still. That's not very satisfyingly paid off at the start of March. You can look forward to that. Oh, great. I love things not being satisfyingly paid off. Two more feuds in the tag division. I want to end with ICP. All right, so we'll go to Tree LK against the f- new franchise, which is a relatively short thing. There's only two matches. Mm-hmm. So third show of the month, February 18th, we get Ron Killings facing Michael Shane. I like this match. It was decent. I like the finish, actually. So beforehand, Shane Douglas is backstage, and he's like, Shane Douglas, you need-, he's like, Michael Shane, goddamn, these people both named Shane. <laughs> Michael Shane, <laughs> you need to prove your critics wrong. You need to go out there by yourself and beat Ron Killings. And Michael Shane's like, oh, I don't know. And he cuts a pretty good, like, fired-up promo about it, though. Mm, he gets into it. Even though he still goes out there with Tracy, he's like, go out there by yourself. But also, Tracy, you go too. <laughs> yeah, because it's a plan. Indeed. So Michael Shane faces Ron Killings. BG James, this is where he was on commentary, making the same joke over and over again. It's like, it's the swine flu. She has swine flu, because she kisses people. And then and then bird flu. And then <laughs> SARS, and she, he mentioned, like, seven different diseases that Tracy might have. And, and then he's like, why, why isn't she making out with everyone? <laughs> He is the worst. He also, he thought calling franchise French fries was the funniest thing in the world. Okay, listen. I'm not going to say it's funny. <laughs> but. Liam Wordplay Respector returns. <laughs> I did chuckle one time when he called him French fries. Because it was so out of nowhere. And I think he'd already said it, but I was just like, oh. I was like, come on, man. I literally went like a. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, like, angry at myself when I did it. You're laughing at BG's terrible jokes, which he did repeat four times. There's definitely a level of self-loathing that comes into laughing at a BG James joke. <laughs> Just a, a small, healthy dose of existentialism when you laugh at a BG joke. Like, d- d- discuss with yourself. Shame, mostly, I think, is what it is. Speaking of Shane... BG was on commentary, Conan was on the Spanish announced test, but Franchise jumped him there, which drew BG he away. murders him. He does try and take him out. <laughs> and then I, I loved, like, BG just getting up and bolting up there, and I love, love Ron Killing's facial expression while this is happening. <laughs> His boys are abandoning him, Liam. But he's like, huh? What's going on? <laughs> All this, his boys are just brawling around ringside, and he's trying to have this match against Michael Shane. Yeah. So all this was a ploy. Tracy gets in the ring. It tries to hit the pie in the sky, but Ron Killings power bombs her. But Shane then drops Toehold's Killings onto Tracy's cast and then super kicks him for the win. Mm-hmm. A nice little finish. A little drop Toehold onto the cast was a neat touch. Yeah, I liked. I liked this. I thought it was fun. And then last show of the month, you had the new franchise facing Tree Life Crew, the Tree LK team of Conan and Ron Killings. The story was like he was so fired up by Shane Douglas's attack that Conan wanted to be the team instead of BG. Yeah. And then BG, of course, had to hit some brand new material on... Oh, wait, no, it was the same jokes. It did, unfortunately, inflict BG on us twice in a row in commentary, and he was absolutely terrible. It, it really reminds you, like, why you like you don't like BG James is when he's on commentary. <laughs> the fact that he repeated all the same jokes from last week as well, it's like, dude, you ran them into the ground last week. Like, I don't know why, like, how can you not feel shame? He should. 
Maybe that's just us again. Maybe that's our own <laughs> our own things. But uh, I I wouldn't be able to. I would not be able to do that. I mean, I do. Snakes in the back. <sighs> Dixie Carter voice. Those are beloved bits. Those those are not going to the same well four times in an episode. Oh, I bet I have. You're basically PG. You're realizing you are PG. I'm no better than PG James. Conan had Shane tapping to the tequila sun of her eyes, but then ref tequila 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 tequila. <laughs> Tequila Mockingbird. Tequila Mockingbird Sunrise. And the ref was distracted by his schmalls on the floor. Tracy hit Conan with the cast. Shane followed with a super kick, pick up the win. And then Trio K argued because, again, no team in this company can get along. Mm, yeah, that's a weird one. I don't, I, I, the others, whatever, but Trio K should be together. Yeah, Conan and Killings got into it. And it's just like, why? <laughs> why? There's no, yeah, there's no need for it. So that is your franchise against Trio K feud. And then, last of the monthly, I'm your favorite uh, every week. The Insane Clown Posse's here. Uh, yeah, who's going chicken hunt? We're going chicken hunt. The Juggalos have arrived to face Glingleberti and David Young on NWATNA paper number 80, February 4th, for show of the month. <laughs> Fuck you. What? You call them the Juggalos? Yeah, it's the same thing. It's the ICP. <laughs> Are members of the ICP not also Juggalos? No. The, the Juggalos are their fans. So they're above their fans is what you're saying. Yes. Wow. Like everyone. Disrespect. I'm not above the listeners if you've got to be kidding me. We're all friends. I am. We have a shared name. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, remember, everyone who listens is our best friends. <laughs> if you're listening, you are a real-life friend of us and should invest in everything we do, both financially and emotionally. Parasocial relationship. Parasocial relationship. I was going to try and chant it, but it's not a very chantable word. Parasocial. 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 <laughs> the ICP face Glengalberti and David Young. Violent J hit the moonsault. Shaggy follow with a leg drop. Pick up the win. Good match. Yeah, they. they I mean, they just killed each other. It, it does help that they have like, I don't know, 60 people creating some heat for them. But listen, that's because they're over. You know what I... I, you know what I gotta admit? Mm-hmm. Glenn Gilberti and Kid Cash worked as a pretty good tag team in this. Well, too. this is the David Young match first. I was talking about the other one. <laughs> I got distracted by the parasocial relationships that we have with our fans. Yeah. The first show of the month. I mean, our friends. That we, we talked about on the watch along, Liam, at, at tnhad.com that all our friends can get by subscribing to Patreon. <laughs> yes. But our friends. But yeah, ICP beat Young and uh, Gilberti. The big twist here is that David Young is scared of clowns. I mean, who isn't? And if you want to hear a story about me being scared of clowns... Oh, there is a very good one on the video. Do you want to tell it again? We'll tell it again. No, they can they can get pay, pay for it, my friends. Nah, tell the clown story. <sighs> okay, so basically when I was very young, there was a circus that was traveling through my local township, and we went there, we went to the circus with my grandmother and my mother, and the whole time, the clowns were picking on me, <laughs> and I don't know why, um, they, they targeted me specifically, they popped a balloon in my hand, I remember that was terrifying, they did squirt me in the face with the water, and I ended up crying until we left, okay? I love the idea the clowns are like, look at this kid, let's bully him! <laughs> they did, they kept coming back to me, I remember one, like, even my... Even my parents and grandparents like admitted like they were going after you, <laughs> and I did not have a good time. And I made us leave early, and I cried all the way in the car on the way home. Do you still hate clowns? Not really. I hate those clowns. I'd kick their ass if I ever saw them. What the insane clown posse? <laughs> no, I would be in the insane clown posse. I'm not scared of clowns because I think being scared of clowns is stupid. But I. Yeah, I as a kid, sure. If you're like over the age of eighteen and you're scared of a clown, get over you're it. You're just scared of specific clowns. 
I'm not scared of them. All right. <laughs> not to sound like David Young. I'm not scared of them. I just don't like them. I just would rather not be around them. Yeah. But like, do clowns specifically like trigger some sort of thing? I mean, no. So what you're saying is you want to join the ICP so that you be- can become a clown. What do you mean join? And get revenge on the clowns. As if I'm not already. <laughs> you're not an ICP member. A member of the ICP. Whoop whoop. You juggle all you. Yeah. So. I've, I've got... <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say? <laughs> I don't know. We've hit the third, uh, the fourth hour, sorry. <laughs> so Disco and David Young jumped the ICP after the match. Too Tough Tony made the save. Too Tough Tony. Later in the show, they cut a promo that was like, listen, they're not like all time great promos or anything. But it's so wild. It's like when Dusty showed up and you're like, look at this charismatic man. He's actually charismatic. Yeah. It's like a real person talking. Yeah, it's the same with the ICP when, when uh, Violent J is just backstage cutting a promo. And it's like, oh, it's an actual charismatic person. Well, it's a person who is on a stage for a living. <laughs> but like, so are wrestlers and half of these people are. Even like Glenn Gilberti, who's like... Yeah, but I think it's different, right? Because when you're a wrestler, you're a part of a show. But like... That's their show, you know? I don't... Like, even Disco is like, I'm a man doing a pro wrestling character, you know? I don't know. I think a lot of what Disco says is his actual feelings. But yeah, even... But on the show as a performer, I feel him as a performer. Sure. As opposed to the ICP, it's like, oh no, these are just charismatic human beings. They're not playing rest. They're not doing a promo. They're just doing a promo, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, like, the difference between me and you. Ah, yes. The, the forced nature versus the, the organic, free-flowing version. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, preparation and effort versus just going in there and winging it. There was some chuckling in the locker room circles when Mike Tanay was walking around wearing the ICP tour jacket that was apparently <laughs> given to him by the rap duo. Tanay wasn't the only person wearing the tour jacket as several wrestlers were wearing their own. But Tanay must have looked the most out of place. That rocks. Even when they were being interviewed by Hudson here, they were like, hey, where's Mike Tanay? Yeah, they gave a shout out to Mike Tanay immediately. Mm. So February 18th. You do get the second match. It is the ICP facing Glengalberti and Kate Cash in a Juggalo street fight. Wasn't there a thing on the show in between? Was there something on the America's X Cup show? There was one on the show after. Okay, it was the show after. Sorry. Where you had the uh, Violent J and Shaggy Tudo weren't there, but there were other ICP people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you had uh, ICP against Cash and Gilberti. Again, another real fun match. Yeah, I re- this is the match I liked a lot out of these mm. two. Yeah, they just did some crazy shit. I liked the Glenn Gilberti Kid Cash team a lot. I thought they were pretty good together. Mm. And they just, like, they look like they're having a blast out there, too. Yeah. Don West on commentary mentioning that a street fight works in their advantage of the Juggalos because that's what they write about in their music, Liam. They write about the streets. Ah, that's true. Yeah, I'm sure that is true. I say they were having fun. Kid Cash was not having fun. <laughs> yeah, Kid Cash was in pain following his match with the ICP. Cash injured his foot during the match and was having a difficult time hearing out of one of his ears because of a slap he took from either the ICP or the referee. Cash was said to be upset with the ICP for performing a spot he specifically told them not to. According to one wrestler, Cash let ICP know he was upset by getting rough with them during the match. Kid Cash is a dude who I think is like probably way scrappier than you give him credit. Oh, it's classic small man complex. Yeah. But, like, I bet he actually hits hard if he wants to. Too. Oh, yeah, this dude is used to fighting because he's a classic small man complex. Yeah, kick catch rules. TNA officials are said to be upset that most of the Juggalos show up and chant for ICP during other matches and angles, and then leave after the duo works their match. Put them on in the main event. Yeah, you're getting worked by the ICP. Uh, but, yeah, this was a good match. Juggalos were running wild. Young brought a chair to ringside. Shaggy kicked the chair into cash. Too Tough Tony brawled with Young, and then Shaggy scored a pin on a roll-up, and then a fast count from the referee because... Kid Cash started getting stuck into Mike Posey. 
Yeah, I like the everyone hates Kid Cash. Mm. All the referees. It's very unprofessional, though. He should be fired. Everybody hates Kid. So there was an earlier segment on this that I really liked, too, where it was like, David Young, I'm scared of clowns. And he's like, well, you're still scared of clowns? Come on. And then Kid Cash is just like... I'll do it. I'll fight him. I'm not scared. I love the idea that Glenn Gilberti is aghast that one match has not overcome David Young's fear of clowns. Yeah. You should wrestle a clown, Liam. You should get revenge. Oh, there you go. That's on the another match added to our forever card once our best friends uh, start giving us more money. I appreciate that I've teed you up saying you and clown multiple times and you haven't turned the clown back on me because you could have easily said, oh yeah, I'll wrestle you there and I appreciate that you didn't. Thank you. Uh, fourth hour. <laughs> Don't have the wit. And then last show of the month, the ICP aren't there, but Too Tough Tony and Rudy Hill are. I liked all the shoutouts they gave. I oh, fuck. There's one guy that I love from uh, from the ICP. Uh, I gotta find his name. Wow! Don't have the ICP knowledge off the top of your head. What a fake juggler you are. No, I know. I know the words, just not the order that they're in. <laughs> Blaze your dead homie. Blaze what? Blaze your dead homie is my favorite member. Okay. Did he get a shout out here? He did get a shout out here. He was working with Twisted uh, Violent J, Shaggy 2 Dope, in the the Detroit the Detroit booth, working on Twisted's album, I believe. Lotus Studios. Yeah, Lotus Studios. But shout out to Blaze your dead homie. <laughs> there you go. So they came out after the Simon Diamond Johnny Springer match, and they tried to make the save for Simon Diamond, but got laid out. Yeah. Black shirts made the save, ultimately. Love the, love the black shirt security. <laughs> Just show up to break up fights. Mm-hmm. There we go. That's all the topics for the month. So yeah, let's go show by show, starting with NWA TNA paper number 80, February 4th. The show we did for the watch along, so you can head to TNAchat.com and listen to the watch along of that show right now. Any other notes from the show? Uh, we have the notes from Dustin Rose, which I thought was pretty interesting. Oh yeah, I meant to mention that, because talk about be careful what you wish for. Yep. Keep this one in mind until Black 2007 TNA. Dustin Rhodes has been telling friends that he doesn't like playing the redneck Texas Lone Star gimmick and would prefer that TNA help him create another character more along the lines of Goldust. While in WCW, a character named Platinum <laughs> was created for Rhodes, but it was scrapped due to a problem with standards and practices. Where the actual name was copyrighted by WCW before it was scrapped is unclear, because then WWE would own it. But there's a chance that TNA officials who helped create the gimmick for WCW will help bring it back for TNA. Black Rain. I wonder, is that like the, the, the genesis of the Black Rain character? I think it's all the same idea. <laughs> well, like Black Rain was more like, I am a schizophrenic character. Black Rain's my like evil dark side who carries a scythe and a rat. Yeah, he's, 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 the, he's the bad part of, in my brain. So I, I can imagine why standards and practices would be like, no. Uh, nah. <laughs> I think Platinum was probably just gold dust. Yeah. So... Damn, poor Dustin. Uh, we forgot to mention Cash landed on his head in that match against Sonny Siaki. Yeah. There's, Cash had a rough month. Also, during the sit-down with Simon Diamond, Donnie Swinger, and Mike Tanay, Simon Diamond was like, You, Mike Tanay, Wrestling Observer Announcer of the Year. Yeah, um, there's a few of those things, actually. We got some awards later on as well. Oh, yeah, because uh, Bill After was there. He awarded AMW Tag Team of the Year, and he awarded TNA as Most Innovative Promotion. No, it was most innovative two hours on television. <laughs> it's a very specific category. I like that the award they gave him was basically the X Division title. Oh yeah, because it was a little plaque that was made by like the belt designer. But it looked exactly like the the X Division, the good X Division title. Mm. Kevin Northcutt hit AJ with a Made in Japan. <laughs> yes, Kevin Northcutt again continues to be the best wrestler of all time. And again, going back to 2004 TNA in February, 
Shingo's sitting there watching it. It's like, made in Japan. Well, we were debating whether or not uh, who did it first. Yeah, I don't know Shingo's career well enough to know when he started doing Made in Japan. So maybe he stole it from Kevin Northcutt. God, if only we knew some Dragon Gate experts. <laughs> you? Aren't you supposed to be a Dragon Gate expert? No, I, I Gleet. <laughs> ah, yes. Yeah, coming soon to Gleet, Shingo Takagi, though. NWA TNA paper number 81, February 11th, the America's X Cup show. Um, no, just that, like, you know, these shows that are one consistent idea are the best shows. Because they have a, a theme, and they're good. And there's lots of good wrestling, which always helps. And there seems to be an idea that uh, uh, people don't seem to think he'll be, uh, Hoovy will be coming back after because he didn't apologize to Jerry. Yeah, but he does. He actually he ends up leaving TNA because I think he leaves AAA as opposed to anything else. Mm. So he's no longer part of the working agreement. Which is a shame, because he rules. <laughs> Hmm. Terry Funk ended his promo on the show with the line, I promise you that we are going to do some ass kicking. Thank God. There was also, Tanae got real mad at a rope break in the main event. Yeah. I like uh, a stickler for the rules, Mike Tanae. Because Hoovy had Jerry Lynn in a, a submission. It was the last two as well. And he, he, he reached, Jerry Lynn reached the ropes, but Hoovy pulled him back. But Mike Tanae is like, he reached the ropes. That should be a rope break. He was real mad. Hmm. NWA TNA baby number 82, February 18, 2004. What a show. Did you like it? Mm, yeah, I did like it, actually. There was very little bad, I said, very little bad this month. A lot of stuff, like, there's some stuff that's, like, El Leon and Dustin Rose against the red shirts is fine. But. That's about it, yeah. The worst you get this month is fine, which I think is an improvement on recent months. That's, a, yeah, I think I see it. I just, I like this show. I li- and then, yeah, I wanted to give another shout out to Scott Hudson, who I thought was pretty good in commentary. Except when he was really mean to Simon Diamond. <laughs> and then last show of the month, NWTNA pay-per-view number 83, February 25th. Mm, you know, things and stuff and things and no. I liked Simon Diamond and Johnny Springer doing the classic, they play the music once and then both of them walk out. Yeah, uh, FTR. <laughs> Don West, during the gathering against Sabu and Raven match. I can't believe you stepped over another... Another instance of the influence of this month. Oh, sorry, yes. Uh, yeah, the FTR stole the entrance coming out from Diamond and Swinger here in February 2004. Really gonna end this uh, YouTube video off with a whimper, aren't you? Wow, oh my god, they stole it! Ah! Uh, remember to subscribe. Don West, during the gathering against Sabu and Raven match, said the line as CM Punk was doing the face wash. In Middle Eastern countries, that's the biggest insult you could give to somebody. Yep. I'm pretty sure, Don, that's an insult anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> shoving your foot in their face. Yeah. I don't think there's many cultures in which that's like, uh, hello. Yeah, if, if you're listening and it, it is your local culture that rubbing your foot off of somebody's face in an aggressive and violent fashion is in fact a sign of respect, please let us know. Mm, I want to live there. <laughs> I want to kick people in the heads and be like, I respect you I so respect much. I respect you, Booker Man. <laughs> I'm sorry I love you Superkick actually really resonated in some countries. AJ's promos are still terrible. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's in a charming way now. <laughs> At least he isn't dropping horrible, horrible slurs. He does one with Hudson about the Abyss match and he's trying to explain like the rules and he's trying to like explain why he cares and he just, it's terrible. It's only like, it's less than a minute and it's still terrible. It's crazy how like just reps will get you there, huh? Mm. Like he was one of the ones, you know, that there's the adage you have to learn to play a character before you learn to play your character. Mm. And I think that was very true of AJ. It was the Christian coalition thing that really brought him out of his shell and allowed him to actually cut real good promos. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got. That is all we have. That is February 2004 in TNA. 
the most influential month in pro wrestling history. Never has more been stolen from than this month of TNA. Well done, TNA. You're great. <laughs> I don't want to... I can't give him that. <laughs> I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, reel it back, reel it back. <laughs> yeah, come on. Let's not say things were great. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks with the March 2004 episode. The only thing I think has been announced for that month is that Harris and Jared title match. So you can look forward to that. And the second World X... Oh, sorry. North America, no, American X America's Cup. America's X Cup, but you get there in the end. All right, you, we all want to talk. Listen, leave me alone. What is Rudy Charles doing again? <laughs> doing my best here, man. Just having a breakdown <laughs> with podcasts, it's fine. You have to leave it in now, because I've brought it into the, the end. <laughs> it's classic. I was talking with Dave on Link to the Cast at one stage, my other podcast, and we always of Days of Thunder. Oh, we get it, you have other podcasts. I was actually going to pivot into plugging Days of Thunder, which is also on the Voices Wrestling Podcasting Network covering Thunder. They also had like a meltdown on their recent episode. They just lost their minds on th- at Thunder. But Dave once mentioned how whenever there's something he thinks somebody wants to cut out, he'll call back to it as much as he can to make it impossible to cut out. <laughs> I've definitely done that myself a few times. Just at a pure petty spite, and I respect it. So yeah, we'll be back in two weeks with March 2004. On Patreon right now, our watch-along of NWA TNA paper number 80, tnachad.com, patreon.com slash kidding me. As mentioned, our Randy Savage Be a Man review is up there. Rain Takers, the next episode will be up there this week, as well as the draft we did, as well as all the usual stuff, ring cacking, Monday War Games, all there, waiting for you now. Patreon.com slash kiddingmetnhad.com if you'd like to support the show. Follow us on Twitter, which lots of people did recently, at uh, Tina History Pod. One more bragging, you know. Yeah, look at our numbers. They're going up. You can follow me on Twitter at Garrett You can follow Liam on Twitter at The Gleet Muta. Thanks for listening and bye bye. And remember, only our best friends go to tnhad.com and give us the most amount of money possible. You're my best our friend best in the whole best wide friends. world. That's a TNA reference. It's a Joe Hendry song from 2018. I don't remember that reference. Do the damn thing.